Today's episode of What Happened When Monday is brought to you by SaveCade.com. And Tony, I think you have outdone yourself. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out SaveCade.com, you need to. Not just because we'll be able to save some money, but this video is off the damn rails. It's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E. Tony, how in the world did you come up with this? This is proof that you take drugs. Maybe used to. I don't know if I do anymore, but but I do need to say that when I bring up SaveCade, there's a shot of me that looks awfully fat on there. I don't know how that came about. Maybe it's the way I look, but I do want to remind people that you can stop wrestling with debt, put your butt in the seat, fast and easy, no credit check to be a part of SaveCade.com, Conrad. Well, and what's funny is, you know, the site even says mortal combat, all of your debt, no more hard way or easy way, brother. Uh, maybe that old kitchen's gotta go. Maybe you're desperately out of time to pay your house off faster, but we want to let you know that you don't need good luck and credit. Your credit doesn't have to look as good as the Z man did. And you can own a house with no money down, which is coincidentally how much money Evan courageous true. You can make this fast and easy. It can even be the greatest night in the history of our great sport. When you skip your next two house payments, and maybe you could even lower your monthly payments, which probably would have been helpful when WCW was taken over by Bill Watts and he cut your pay, right, Tony? Yes. You can cut years off your loan, consolidate your debt, stop making the minimum payments. Believe you me, that will get you behind and get a greater tax deduction, Conrad. It's all part of SaveK.com. And what I love about it is you can own your own home with no money down my favorite thing about the thing though is you fucking dancing and singing i'm not making this up tony shivani dances and sings you've got to see it even if you don't actually need a home loan or need to save money you've got to see tony singing and dancing at savecade.com that's s-a-v-e-c-a-d-e nmls number 65084 equal housing lender Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA, and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony answers what they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Thunder Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinnie Mac, simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch a long try not to laugh. Lois rules cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Klondike Bill, make a chair. Tommy, you come over here. What happened when? WHW Monday. And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Monday on the MLW Radio Network. And of course, it wouldn't be Monday if it weren't Tony Schiavone. How are you, Con, sir? Conrad, uh, how many podcasts are you doing now? A thousand a day? Nah, how about three a week? Wow. You are a busy, busy man. It's great to be with you once again. And hello, slap dicks all around the world. Thank you very much. Had a chance to talk to some from Great Britain this past week. 
and had also a chance to talk to uh, a gentleman from Norway. I'm going to get his name wrong. Anders Johannesson. Mm. I believe I got it right, from Belgium. Good for you. I don't know that I could have done that. Good for okay. you. Okay. And here's the great story about uh, Anders. He travels extensively. He's in shipping. Right. He has listened to our podcast in Taiwan and in China. Wow. And all around the world. He takes it with him. And that's where that's how he keeps busy by listening to our podcast. How about that? And he was different. And and this is a great story. He said, he said, I wasn't a Tony Schiavone fan growing up. I became a Tony Schiavone fan through the podcast. Right. Isn't that unique? So that's uh, that. Thank you very much, Anders, for being out there. And for everyone that I've talked to over in Europe uh, this week. It's I been feel, great talking to everybody. I feel like you're almost in, implying that there are actual Tony Schiavone fans. Apparently so. Huh. Who'd have thought? Apparently so. See what you've created there, Dr. Frankenstein? No, I did not see this coming. Oh. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm surprised by a lot of things these days. But uh, I'm really surprised that it took this long for us to get to this show. It's Capital Combat 1990. Of course, it went down on May 19th, 1990. So we're nearly at the 28-year anniversary uh, next the next weekend, I guess this weekend now, Saturday, it's going to be 28 years, man, feels like forever ago. So what we want you to do right now is go ahead and fire up your WWE network, click on pay-per-views, go to WCW, scroll down to 1990 and bam, there is capital combat. Lots of silliness on this one. Tony, do we have a little help from our friends here? Yes. Before we do though, Conrad, we got help from our friends. We want you in you, Conrad, to enjoy this. My name is Fred, longtime fan of pro wrestling. Back when it was real, when the late great Bruno San Martino had black hair on his chest and walked to the ring like a man without all the fancy lights and sparklers. He was cool, he was tough, and that's the way it was and we liked it. Anyway... Shivani and that other fat guy, Conrad, asked me to say a few words about LowestRules.com, the place where you go to pick up all your favorite t-shirts from the silly-ass podcast. Back when I was young, when you wanted to pick up a t-shirt, you didn't go to a fancy website, and then the shirt would all of a sudden show up at your front door. No, you walked to the general store. If it was winter, you walked in the snow, and you got frostbite. If it was summer, you walked in the searing sun and got a sunburn. You went up to the counter and you said, give me a shirt. And the store clerk threw you a white one that was two sizes too big. You said thanks and you walked back home. And that's the way it was and we liked it. Anyway, at LoisRules.com, we have all the top sellers. The Tommy Young. Uh, is that when you're supposed to do the stupid line that everyone loves? Tommy Young. Great. Next time when I give you a cue, be ready, fat boy. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah. There's also hashtag NIFDA. What the holy hell does NIFGA mean? NFLTG. Oh, that's just great. No vowels. Cool. Plus, low-key Big Hog, which we are sure does not mean Shivani. I like Dole Hargrave more than Tony Shivani. Mm-hmm. Who the hell are you? Oh, uh, we apologize, sir. That's Carl. And who the hell are you? I am the old Carl. Oh, it doesn't matter. Sit over there and shut up. I'm almost done. At LoisRules.com, they have all the top sellers. Wait, I've said that already. Yeah, uh, let's see. You can also get Suckers Gots to Know. Like those two suckers who interrupted me. They got to know some manners. 
And don't forget Lois Rules T-shirt, the Bill's Glass Bottom Boat Ride Tours, and the damn I'm good, because I am. <laughs> it's all at LoisRules.com. By the way, when I was young, we didn't get t-shirts from pro wrestling and the internet. No, we went to a wrestling match. Ask the wrestler to sign it. He'd send it with a ballpoint pen. And we took it home and we wore it for days until it stunk. And then we threw it in the wash. And that's the way it was and we liked it. So, go to LoisRules.com and get your shirts, please. So these two fat guys, that's Shivani and Conrad, if you're keeping score at home, will leave me alone. Now, who did you say you were again? I am the old commentary ninja, and this is my gardener, Carl. Carl, why you interrupt, man? When I heard Tony Shivani on the podcast, well, I just seen red. Mm. All right, Tony, I think everybody's ready. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Let's go. To our tag team partner. <coughs> Three, two, one. Lois rules. Uh, the hit play. What about this old school graphic right here, man? I know you hate this shit, but I love it. I know it you doesn't do? age well, but it, it makes it, it hits me in the feels when this was like cool shit right here. Well, this was kind of ahead of its time. I mean, they put a lot of money. They probably put more money into the graphics than they put into the high, the entire damn show. And you're going to find out why. Stamp that Capital Combat Return of RoboCop. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be with you. Welcome here, Lucky Live at the WC Armory. And tonight, we have quite a show for you here in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And hi, everybody. Holy shit, I'm a good-looking Tony Schiavone, and I just want to let you know that a month ago, I left the WWE. Since that time, I have been on a lot of somas, I've been on a lot of drugs, I've been wanting to kill myself a couple of times, but I'm ready to go here with a great uh, a show here tonight. At least I hope it's going to be a great show tonight. We're also going to see, aside from all the things that are listed, we're going to see here tonight the Junkyard Dog. We are going to see The Undertaker. <clears throat> uh, I mean, Mean Mark take on Johnny Ace. And then again, we are going to see a shitty hair match. But right now, <laughs> it's time. Let's go down to Curtis Hughes, who's going to lead the band, uh, Mr. Big Cat, in the National Anthem. Can you believe this is a real thing right here? Yeah, I can believe it's a real thing. What? Well, well, why? Well, why? Well, look, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I do baseball, I do football, I do basketball. I listen to the. Oh my God! There's Michael Hayes running a camera. No, no, that's not Michael Hayes. That's way too skinny. Uh, that's. Uh, I, I see so many national anthems, and and you know what? I'm a great American. God bless America. But I'm kind of national anthem doubt. And I wonder why that does look like Curtis Hughes, doesn't it? I wonder why it needs to be on a wrestling show. I've often wondered that. Well, you know, I think it's a cool touch, especially at the time. You know, these days, I understand what you're saying that maybe we're anthem down. I'm not. I still dig it. I still think it makes it feel like a big deal. But uh, I get that maybe it does seem a little out of place on a wrestling show, but with a, you know, something named like this capital combat maybe that might i don't know yeah well the nation's capital i understand i think we're a little bit ahead of uh the uh, the gulf war by now we're close ahead of the gulf war how about that one pyro from the, in the right one of them works 
on the right there. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Congratulations, Athens is over. Okay, now, uh, doing the play-by-play tonight, my good buddy, J.R. Jim Ross, and, of course, the man that I grew up listening to, the legendary Bob Cottle. Gosh, I love these guys. And right now, without further ado, I'm going to go have a couple of drinks, settle myself down, realize that I'm back here in this shit, and let's send it back to them. Man, this is, uh, is this the best group of announcers ever? You know, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Bob Cottle. I mean, this is, what a group. I thought you were going to do a couple I mean, no, I can't. I think we got plenty of opportunity in this one, but I'm just sort of in awe, you know, you've got, in my opinion, three of the greatest commentators of all time. I mean, what a stacked roster. I know a lot of people like the personality of maybe a Bobby Heenan or Jesse Ventura. And I get that, but man, these three guys all added a layer of realism, whether it's Tony Schiavone, Bob Cottle, or Jim Ross, three of the very, very best. If Gordon Soley was here, this would be the deal. He is here, man. But Gordon Soley is going to be in RoboCop hell tonight. We, <laughs> we stuck him. Say, uh, okay, let's get the phoniest fucking thing that we can put on the show. Oh, I got an idea. RoboCop. Okay. Now let's get the the the, the, the most respected realist announcer ever and put him in there with RoboCop, Gordon Soley. So there you go. How about that? I guess- How about this one? Now, you know, I uh, this is an interesting, Matt. This, uh, I'm going to show you why. We needed the gorilla position in just a moment. Uh, as I don't know what this guy is on the right here, but Sir Oliver Humperdinck coming out uh, with uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. And, of course, it seems like you can't put a stake through Kevin Sullivan's heart. He's everywhere. And Cactus Jack in a six-man opening match. Team. This is, you know, maybe the biggest group of badasses. I mean, these were three madmen. Kevin Sullivan used to be the devil in Florida. Bam Bam Bigelow literally has fucking flames tattooed on his head and Cactus Jack Manson, dude, just yeah. one, of, one of the, I mean, what a six man, this is unbelievable. And then it's like, well, I can't wait to see who they're taking on. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see it. You know, Bam Bam Bigelow. And I got a story about him. I want to tell everybody. I remember from the Omni, I may have told the story before, but for a guy who looked as oddball as he looked with flames tattooed on his skull, he was a prince of a guy. He really was. He was he was a nice man, and it really broke my heart when when I uh, <laughs> whoa uh, let's don't bring him in with the uh, with the big uh, entrance. Let's bring him in with the couple of midgets on a motorcycle. You know that's what's weird to me is you know and I, I know people don't really like the term, but back in the day, the term for riding on the back of a motorcycle was what. Bitch, right? Right. So you're gonna have two badasses ride bits to the ring, like exactly. Feels like they should have driven their own motorcycles to the ring. Okay. And from Sesame Street, which one of these doesn't belong? I mean, this is basically this is me on a scooter right here. <laughs> well, there is a very Conradish look about him. I would say that hair, uh, though, they, that hair is even too wild for me. I don't know. About okay. This. Okay. Uh, Norman is, uh, brings a, uh, a t-shirt he's going to peel off. Uh, can you imagine what's going through the, the mind of the road warriors here <laughs> when guess, they look at the gut of their partner? I guess that's worth mentioning. They're fucking out of here, son, they cannot leave here fast enough. They leave here. Of course, 
uh, to join the World Wrestling Federation, and it happens in short order. As I mentioned, this pay-per-view goes down uh, on the 19th, and um, wow, they're out of here, bro. Norman probably helped push him out the door, wouldn't you think? Their contracts were set to expire in December, but uh, they were allowed to leave earlier, and they're going to be called the Legion of Doom, of course, not the Road Warriors. Um, And it was even speculated that the uh in the torch that they wouldn't even wear face paint now they're not going to be called road warrior because they don't want to confuse the ultimate warrior but it's even suggested hey they're not even going to wear face paint no that would be like kiss not wearing face paint wouldn't it be i mean that i I agree i mean i get why people would think that yeah but man what a fucking deal it is here that that they're out of here do you what do you remember about their departure because it does feel like it's a little bit out of left field yeah, here's here's what I remember about the departure. I remember I turned around and they were gone. That's what I remember about it. Like, what? What the fuck? What's going on here? I just got back and they're gone? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, Turner Broadcasting giving the reins to Jim Hurd and letting Turner Home Entertainment also dictate what we did in a pay-per-view ran a lot of people out of town. I don't think there was any question. Oh, <laughs> great bump by uh, Mick Foley. It was from. Been- it was mentioned in the torch that uh, the uh, the road warriors here are going to be taking a pay cut to even go work in the WWF. They're both sure. making two thousand dollars each per match here in the WWF, and that included Paul Ellering. So this match here is a six grand deal for them if Paul Ellering's there. And now they're going to be taking a pay cut to leave. Was the was the booking? so terrible at this point did they feel like business was down or was it the decision to put ole anderson back in control here that made them take an exodus do you think well you know i don't think it was ole anderson because they worked for in georgia championship wrestling with ole right or world championship wrestling prior to the years that we took over so uh, they always i i thought had a great respect for ole anderson i just think again it was not a good working relate it was you there was not a good feeling with WCW, it was really not. You, you felt like that this company was bought by from Crockett Promotions, and it was now being run by people who didn't know wrestling, and there was not a good feeling. Back, I can't explain it. I can't put my finger on it, but I guarantee I'm not the only one that thought that. Right. I feel like we should mention here that um, Ole Anderson being back in control was quite the shift, you know, because there had been so many, you know, hot potato bookers since Turner had taken over, you know, was there any sort of concern as to whether or not Tom had passed Ole by, or were people sort of relieved when they hear that Ole's got the book? Well, I think we're relieved that he's got the book because George Scott had had the book and time had really passed him by. Right. And I look, Ole, we're going to see a Robocop angle coming up. That's really shitty, but Ole came up with the whole thing and it was his idea when they said, Hey, you got RoboCop, do something with him, right? Because we're going to promote the movie. And Ole came up with this idea. So Ole was, you know, Ole tried to think outside the box a little bit. He tried to think new school a little bit. I know I'm putting Ole over. I know he's a miserable old fuck, and I understand that. But I was always friends with Ole, and I thought Ole put a lot of time and effort into it. And I, as you know, I've said this about many guys. You put time and effort into something with me, and you're over with me. So... Uh, that's why I liked Ole a lot. Uh, let me, uh, before time gets away in this one, 
And uh, let me give you my Bam Bam Bigelow story. Yeah. Uh, we, we were at the Omni, and I was the ring announcer at the Omni when Dusty Rhodes and Bam Bam Bigelow were a tag team. Can't remember who they were wrestling in one of the feature events. But, of course, you know, and Dusty is the, you know, the booker now. And uh, certainly it's, uh, it's going to be Dusty near the top. He reached over to tag in Bam Bam Bigelow. Or Bam Bam Bigelow reached in, tagged Dusty in. Dusty steps through the ropes. Bam Bam goes on the outside, turns around, and pukes on the floor. Wow. From the apron. Bleh! It wasn't a little puke. It was like, <laughs> And Dusty gets ready to go in the ring, and he turns around. He looks at Bigelow puking, and he turns around. He looks right straight at me with only that 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 look that Dusty can give me. And I've got my hands up here like, hey, I don't know what the fuck's going on. But it was a moment that I'll never forget. So when I think of Bam Bam Bigelow, I think about he was a really nice man. He was a cool dude, but he also puked during the main event at the Omni <laughs> in Atlanta. That's awesome. So, so anyway, here's uh, here's Cactus as doing only he can do, uh, taking a bump, uh, and the fans are finally getting into this. <laughs> I'll bet you he told them, hey, when I take that bump over, throw the steps at me. That sounds like something he would do, right? It does. Yeah. And now Norman. Jesus. Man, who was a fan of Norman the Lunatic? How does this keep happening? Well, I know who. I tell you who the uh, fan of Norman the Lunatic was. The guy who was a fan of the Ding Dongs. Oh. Okay. Uh, and we're going to see later on in this uh, this wonderful telecast the the damn slamometer. I want a I want a fan scan where we show the fans, call it a fan scan, and we'll get a sponsor and we'll get the slamometer and people will be talking. I'm thinking, whoa, man, kill me fucking now, please. <laughs> uh, but we all hung in there as and thank God Eric Bischoff was uh, not too far down the road, five yeah. years away. A lot of strength to be able to hoist that. Big guy over in a vertical suplex. You know, when I was watching this this week, I, I told my uh, the person I was watching it with, man, does Hawk look like the prototype of, of a professional wrestler or what? Wow. You know, yeah. just a tall dude, crazy fucking yeah. haircut, face paint, jacked up. I mean, just tremendous shape. Yeah, just uh, absolutely uh, tremendous shape. Uh, and and one of the and I've said many times, one of my favorite guys of all time, just to. It's amazing how, you know, and I make all these calls for, for T-shirts, and they, and they think you're bigger than life, and I do appreciate that. And, of course, the wrestlers are bigger than life, but they were just all, all, all of them were just guys, you know, just normal guys. I, I, that's the best way I can explain it. They're just people like everybody else have a job to do. Hey, let, sure me, was, let me ask you this. Um you know, when you look at this, it is sort of fun to watch these old shows like this, because I don't think at the time, I guess we should mention Kevin Sullivan's probably been in the business here about 15 years. He was on top in Florida for a while. I mean, had mega, mega heat. The road warriors at this point have been over like Rover for five years. I mean, major top draws. Bam Bam Bigelow is going to main event all over Japan. But man, who would have thought when you look at this roster right here? Man, what a fucking shitty headbutt by Bam Bam there. Who would have yeah. thought that Cactus Jack was going to be the biggest star of them all? Well, you know what? 
it didn't it does not surprise me when I sit back and think about it now because of what a great character he was and because of what a different type of rap i.e. promo that he had you know he talked as well as anyone and, and could really come up with some very unique things to say and he was a very believable guy and was very intelligent so i i, I kind of understand that i'm not arguing against it i mean i think everybody knows why he's over i mean he outworked everybody he outthought everybody he was committed he sacrificed more, you know, time, effort, energy, his body, the whole deal. I'm not arguing any of that. His commitment was right. second to none. I'm just saying when you go back and you look at this from a 1990 perspective, I mean, you're going to think, well, Bam Bam Bigelow has been in the WWF and, you know, but, and you know, everything the road warriors have done, you just probably think that cactus Jack is, you know, fourth at best right. on this list. And really He's going to fucking pass them all. And it's just, it's a testament to what he was able to do, man. Yeah, it is. It's a great point. And it's, it's not surprising that low man on that totem pole was then and still is Norman. And I hate to say that I didn't know Norman that well. Uh, and I, I shouldn't really knock him, but we're having a good time. Yeah. I mean, that's all this is. We're having a good yeah. time. And unfortunately, Mike Shaw passed away in 2010 Oh, he did uh, at this point, he had been wrestling, uh, for nine years, which is really hard to imagine. Uh, but right. he started wrestling in 81 and, uh, he passed away at just 53 years old. So far, far too young. He left us. Yeah. And let that be a cautionary tale to you, Conrad. I guess we should, um, mention that he also played Friar Ferguson, Bastion Booger. Um, I mean, he, obviously Norman, the lunatic, but. You know, he had so many sort of gimmicks that we all remember. I only remember Norman the Lunatic, to be very honest with you. And now we're going to see the replay. We're seeing the replay here. Kevin Sullivan takes the dive. Hawk comes off with a big lariat. And Randy Anderson fights through a couple of guys to get the one, two, three. Here's why I think you can see that we needed a gorilla position in WCW. Watch how silly this looks. I know exactly okay. what you're going to talk about. They're going to be introducing the next guys as other guys are walking out. Yes, what the fuck exactly. Is this? Not only that, we are going to see a referee come running out with <laughs> with Johnny Ace. Let's see the referees in the entrance. Man, do you know Vince would have probably taken a chair and hit somebody in the back of the head in the backstage area if that would have happened to WWE? Look at Johnny Ace. Who would have thought that this guy would go on to be one of the most influential people in wrestling with, with that fucking hair and that jacket. It's just hard to imagine that that guy's going to be like the decision maker, right? He's going to be like, uh, I guess he was, uh, the forerunner to Jim Ross, right? And as far as, uh, talent relations is well, yeah. good. Hey, was, look, so, the him. guys are still leaving. Yeah. They're zooming <laughs> in on the entrance and you still see Kevin Sullivan limping along. And by the way, here's, I mean, what, what a throwback here to see the undertaker before he was the undertaker. And you've got to appreciate how much is going on and what we've seen so far, you know, in your opening main event, in your opening match, you've got what will be one of the head bookers of WCW, Kevin Sullivan. You've also got the road warriors, hall of famers, you know, top of the heap, bam, bam, Bigelow, as we said, is going to main event everywhere. Cactus Jack, one of the biggest stars in the history of the business. And in the very next match, you've got the head of talent relations for many, many years, John Laurinaitis, 
And believe it or not, the undertaker here in May of 1990, of course, here he's working as mean Mark Callis or rather Mark Callis managed by Teddy long. And this is may. So you got to remember six months later, he's the fucking undertaker. Yeah. One of the most over guys ever, Unbelievable. ever. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, a, a small thing here too. And, and that is, here's a very small thing, but, uh, did you notice how they introduced Teddy Long with him and Teddy wasn't there and then he runs out the end? Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole show is like, yeah. Yeah. who's on first? It's a shame. Yeah, it's fucking, it's, uh, Netflix has a new show out, the reboot of Lost in Space. I don't know if you watched it. We were lost in fucking space is what we were. We were just lost. We were the forerunner of the show by J.J. Abrams. We were fucking lost. They had lost, we were fucking lost. I guess we should mention here that in mid-April, uh, Chris Cruz and Terry Funk actually left the NWA. They had some sort of a situation at a, at a set of television tapings, and they're out of here. Uh, Terry Taylor is is heading in because he's just been released from Titan, and Ric Flair has re-signed a two-year deal. Do you know any of the rumor and innuendo about what happened with Chris Cruz and Terry Funk to cause them to leave? Well, yeah, what caused them to leave, I guess, was me coming in. <laughs> well, and I, and I hate to say that, but they brought me in to do Worldwide. And they brought me in to do Worldwide when Cruz and, uh, and Funk were doing it. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to turn down some good money, and, and I felt bad about that, but that was it. And I know that Chris Cruz and, and Kevin Sullivan had, had some words backstage, uh, and Chris was very unhappy. And I guess Funk was very unhappy. I thought Funk was mad at me, actually, and found out that that he really wasn't. But uh, so, yeah, I, I guess it's because I came in that they thought, you know what, let's go elsewhere or let, let's let's say fuck this business. And uh, I, was there an angle between Johnny Ace and, uh, and uh, The Undertaker here? I, I don't remember uh, an angle. I don't remember but, an angle here either. I think it's just yeah. a match. The Torchwood Report. Christopher Cruz and Terry Funk left the NWA last Monday night, April 9th, after a dispute over the television show's content. Cruz is now negotiating with the WWF while not ruling out a return to the NWA. Terry Funk said to have an open door to do anything with Titan could end up anywhere or nowhere. Funk's grill was taken off the TV sheet, supposedly by Jim Ross without consulting Funk, Hmm. who was on the booking committee. Funk was angry and after a series of events walked off. Cruz was left to do the worldwide tapings with Kevin Sullivan as his color commentator and due to personal differences, that was not to happen. So Cruz quit, uh, was fired and left the tapings, Tony Schiavone and Kevin Sullivan hosted the show. So that lines up exactly with what you were saying. Was there a personal issue with Chris Cruz and Kevin Sullivan? Well, I came in and I came in as an executive producer, which when I first walked in, and I think if I'm right, this was in like Greenwood, Mississippi or somewhere. We were doing TV tapings. And I came in and uh, I wasn't going to be the worldwide announcer. I knew eventually would be, but I was not going to be the worldwide announcer that night. And so I was with a couple of us going over the show. And he was, Chris Cruz was supposed to work with Kevin Sullivan. And Cruz just spoke up and said, Kevin, he said, let's not pull punches here. You don't like me. I don't like you. I don't want to fucking work with you. And he walked. And that's basically, and Kevin was like shaking his head like, I don't know what's going on. And so apparently there was some animosity that, you know, that happened before I got there. But uh, Cruz just cut a little promo on him and walked out. 
Hmm. And it was, it was me and Kevin. So there you go. So was, I wasn't expect to, but I did the show that night. You know, this tells you a lot about how the road warriors had sort of been booked at the time. This is directly from the torch. The young bloods are in and already more over than the road warriors and Tom Zink and Brian Pillman. They will be a hot team if used right. It's amazing to me that at that point, they're thinking the young bloods are going to be over. Was it just the booking that had the road warriors sort of burn out here with the fans? Yeah. Well, me, yeah, maybe so. I, the young bloods. Well, that's what I'm saying. Them being in the opening match here, the road warriors does feel a little weird. It also is yeah. weird that Arn Anderson hasn't been wrestling a lot around this time. He'd been out with an injury, but he's back at least participating in angles and interviews after a long layoff of TV. And you're going to see a returning Barry Windham here. Who's recently just come back uh, from a brief run in the WWF. And now he's back on television, re-signed with the NWA and 1990 is going to be a good year for old Barry here. Yeah, it is. Uh, he was not the widow maker here, but, uh, he certainly, uh, Barry did a lot of great things. He really did. The young bloods, the torch actually said the young bloods were going to be over. Would you read that passage to me again? Did I miss something? No, you nailed it exactly right. I mean, it, it's exactly right. And I guess we should mention here that <laughs> Paul fuck? Lee had been on the outside looking in, but he's recently just signed to come in and he has signed a deal to come in and be a color commentator on the NWA power hour with Jim Ross. It, it feels like there's a lot of shuffling going on here. Chris Cruz is out. Tony Schiavone's back and oh, Paul Lee's here as well. Right. Well, again, it's uh it's a new company trying to find its feet uh, and trying to bring people in. And it's a people who were in realizing, boy, this is the shits and trying to get out the door as fast as they could. It's, uh, you know, and realistically, it was uh, probably as much shuffling going on here now as it was back in the glory days. Right. Even though in the glory days, when I'm talking about, you know, the mid to late 90s, uh, that's they were high profile guys that were doing the shuffling. I guess we should remind you on the other channel. The WWF is coming off of WrestleMania six where the ultimate warrior beat Hulk Hogan for the world title. And that was like your last show with the company, right? Was my last show was Toronto. And that was the, uh, that was at that then sky dome. I was there. I did some interviews in the back and left, uh, and, uh, flew back to Stanford, Connecticut, uh, mid show, uh, to be able to uh, produce that video cassette for Coliseum, which will be my last. Didn't even stick around for the entire show. Allegedly, uh, 495,000 homes purchased the show. So it's like a $15 million gross. And uh, they called it a disappointing figure. Um, were you sort of of the mindset going into that show? And I know it's not the show we're covering now, but you were there. Did you think WrestleMania six would draw bigger than WrestleMania five? Because five was another level with that macho man, Hulk Hogan angle. I, I did not. And I, I thought it would, would obviously draw bigger at the gate because of the venues were different. Right. But I did not because I had thought, I remember, I remember doing a meeting with the, with Coliseum video and Vince McMahon and uh, Coliseum was trying to push, but this was late, late in the late in in 1989, we're, we're trying to push Vince uh, as to what would be the main event at WrestleMania. And I remember Vince would not give in, and he just told the Coliseum video people, we think we're going to have a great main event. And when he said that, I'm thinking, who in the world's left on this roster to feed to Hogan that's going to be the big main event? And I was really shocked it was Ultimate Warrior. 
although I do think they had a great match. They had a, a very well-planned-out structure, and they worked a great match for those two. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think that the Hogan-Warrior match had the sizzle that Hogan and Macho Man did. And in many ways, tell me I'm wrong here. Here's an inside cradle. One, two. Sorry, I'm just going to, I'm warming up for my next MLW gig. Um, So, and I got to remember moves too. Am I wrong to say that Ultimate Warrior back in the day was somewhat like a Roman Reigns today? You you mean in that they were trying to push him even though the fans weren't really digging it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think so, but I was a kid at the time because, man, I fucking love the Ultimate Warrior. And I know that's not popular to say now, but. Man, I had an Ultimate Warrior birthday cake when I was a kid. I was all about it. Okay. Well, there you go. He but, was big with the kids. But and, Absolutely. And again, you know, Roman Reigns might be too. Let me tell you who's not big with the kids, and that's Mr. Shane Douglas here. Shane Douglas, of course, had been one half of the Dynamic Dudes, which is the uh, other half in the ring right now. Of course, Johnny Ace. But it's in the torch in late April. Quote, Shane Douglas was fired over refusing to take a fall after Callus's heart punch. It's one of the few times management appeared to be in the right on a decision. So that's the reason Shane Douglas is out. And maybe the reason that they've got Johnny Ace in here, uh, doing the job for mean Mark. Yeah, I, I think so. I, that's odd. Well, you know, I, I know Shane has always had a, a mind of his own, but I mean, Mink Mark was pretty much, I thought a pretty big deal. There was a rumor and in innuendo that mm, flair yeah. was, uh, reportedly rejuvenated with Wyndham back to work with here. And of course he's going to reprise his role as a horseman. And so we're going to essentially see a fifth horseman because they're going to, you know, make sure everybody understands that Sid is also a horseman. So when you count Ole and Arn and Barry and Rick, Sid sort of makes five. Uh, what did you think about Sid as a horseman? Yeah. I, I, not on the fucking log. I thought I, uh, I, and I understand he was big. He was imposing. Uh, he looked the part, but I didn't think he fit in the horseman scheme of things. We're going to see him in a tuxedo a little bit later on. He doesn't even look good in it. He doesn't, it doesn't work with the tux on set. No, I agree. He looks like the world's most jacked up lurch, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like when he came out, he should say, you rang. <laughs> um, we were talking about announcers earlier and this sort of caught my eye in that same issue with the torch. It was written along with dangerously. The NWA has another color commentator, diamond Dallas page page will start out on the scarcely seen main event syndicated show with Bob Cottle. What a fucking rib it had to feel like for Bob Cottle. When you've got diamond Dallas page who don't get me wrong, has the gift to gab, but what an over the top character Right. To put with a very straight man, Bob Cottle, that feels like an odd couple series. Does it not? Yeah, it it does. And and Diamond Dallas actually did some work with me uh, and uh, just to kind of get him warmed up for things. And, uh, you know, he came out. I remember he had all his wardrobe out in the back. Should I wear this? Should I wear this? Should I wear this? It was like Larry Zabisco before his time. Uh, But yeah, but, uh, you know, Paige never really fit in as an announcer, but, you know, at typical Diamond Dallas Page, he was gonna he was gonna work hard at it to try to make it work, because he was a pretty good stick man being in the AWA at one time, right? As a as a manager, 
Isn't it a great reputation to have, you know, I know we've had fun with Dallas here on the show and he's a good sport about it. He didn't give a shit, but isn't it a great reputation to have that everybody just says, Oh, well, Dallas will put in the work. Oh, a typical Dallas, you know, he worked his yeah. ass off. I mean, well, what a great reputation to have. You, you're not kidding. And it's led to plenty of success after wrestling. Look for at him. Fucking slam a meter. Oh, uh, yeah, there's slam a meter. Uh, uh, hold on a second. All right. Uh, there's some uh, commentary uh, here. Take over. Uh, uh, all right. Now, I'm going to go back here. Uh, 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 as you can see, these two guys in front of me are not really guys, they're mannequins. And just let me say that I have no fucking idea. I've done some of the greatest matches in the world. I've seen guys get shivers down through their 32 uh, movable vertebrae. And I've seen guys put in vertical suit plays. And uh, uh, here I'm stuck in front of a door on a pre-tape. The fuckers didn't even fly me to Washington so I could drink. I'd rather be at Malio's in Tampa having a few gins and tonics and pushing them back right now. But here I am, not only playing second fiddle to JR, not only playing second fiddle to Bob Cottle, but uh-uh, playing second fiddle to that motherfucking Tony Schiavone. What he's doing back here, I'll never know. However, I do like to say this before I go, that before this night is over, you are going to see, and I've been told by Hollywood, that you're going to see one of the shittiest things ever in professional wrestling. That's right, bringing the camera in closer so I can tell you. It's not going to be Peter Weller who's going to be here. It's not going to be the real RoboCop. It's some slapdick who is a stuntman who's going to be in the RoboCop uniform. You heard of me from here, Gordon Soley. And you can hear it on the hotline. Now, these two mannequins are still standing here as if they're protecting something. But in a few moments, you're going to see RoboCop emerge here. Let's send it back to Tony Schiavone. That fucker at ringside. <laughs> All right, Gordon, here we are. Uh, Robert Gibson to my right and uh, Ricky Morton uh, to my left. And they've got a corporal punishment match. And Robert, we understand you may have one of the biggest dicks in the sport. Well, let me say this. Uh, that's what a lot of people say. But I can tell you, people, as far as I'm concerned, it is still Colonel Robert Parker. I may have a big one, maybe the size of this leather strap, but <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> all right uh, I'll, I'll do ricky in a minute okay you'll do ricky okay I'll do ricky. all right right brother okay does he have a big dick hey let me tell you something right here tony shivani baby let me tell you about it tony all right now let me i'm gonna tell you one thing about the difference between me and robert you see i walk up and put it in now robert my boy right here he puts it in and then walks up you hear me baby that's what i'm talking about this motherfucker right here they talking about the jump rope academy of colonel robert parker it ain't nothing on robert gibson you hear me this some bitch right here has got dick for days I, I was driving up i was driving down the road the other day and i saw this dog licking on himself and you know what i said to him i said man i wish i could do that and Robert said, some bitch, you better not. He'll bite you. And you know why he knows? Because he can suck his own. I ain't saying he's Lanny Poffo. He ain't gay or nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, this some bitch right here, if he wants to haul ass, he's got to make two trips just because that double dong. You hear me? When we introduce us again, instead of making a hot tag, I'm just going to tell him, hey, don't worry about the tag rope. Tie that wiener meat around the top turnbuckle. We're going to be fine, baby, because I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do all the fucking heavy lifting. You hear me? I'm going to do 58 minutes. Going to have him some bitches hanging from the rafters. And then I'm going to tag in Robert Taylor or Robert Gibson, who's going to unrope that thing. All right, let's go back to the ring. Wow. Something like that. I think it went something like that. Uh, Robert Gibson runs uh, APCW now. All-Pro Championship Wrestling in Douglasville, Georgia. 
one of my great lines I've ever heard, uh, about Ricky and Robert was, uh, from Arn Anderson, where he said, you know, there's a mountain in Peru missing because of those boys. <laughs> hey, look who's in the ring, man. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Rich. Yeah. Somebody say something about another gimmick for Mike Rotunda. Man, Captain Mike Rotunda. What a fucking terrible gimmick. You know, this guy was a badass with the varsity club. In a couple of years, he's going to be, or maybe less than that. He's going to be IRS, but what the fuck, man? Captain yeah. Mike Rotunda. Right. I mean, it feels like he's trying out for the love boat. How did that love boat song go? <laughs> it's love boat. Everybody's going to get fucking and tight tonight what the love boat some <laughs> i don't know what's going on with you right <laughs> i don't i don't remember the you know i'm a partridge family guy not really a love boat guy samoan swat team here and that's all i got to say about that you know here's the deal i know that this isn't popular and a lot of people are gonna say this is ridiculous but i fucking love the samoan swat team i know they're gonna be paired with um paulie dangerously and yes they are i just think the samoan swat team were badasses they were believable it was a good gimmick a lot of people would argue it was racist and i hear you but at the time this is sort of what was done these days i know people would say you know out here with all their fucking what, what kind of shells are those? I was never a douche in eighth grade. I didn't have these. Would they be conch shells? No, I don't think that's it. It's like it's like sort of a pea or something. Conch shells oh. what you put your ear up to to hear the ocean. Okay. <gasps> well, you know what we got to do? We got to get like what happened when conch shells over at boxofgimmicks.com. And whenever you pick it up and listen to it, it's like you're uh -huh. talking about a dirty Klondike Bill story. Yeah. Or, hey, slap dick or something like that. Dude, we got to have that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to kill me till it, I remember what those stupid ass shell necklaces were called. It's like, uh, it's like, a, it's like a P it's like a Pika okay. shell or Puka shell or it's a Puka shell, like a Pikachu, but a Puka shell. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I got a Pikachu. <laughs> hey, so let me, let me get into the racism thing here because it, it really, it really, uh, makes my asshole want to chew tobacco to talk about this, but, mm. uh, do you really think them wearing their native garb is racist? A throwback to honor the from Samoa. Well, I think them being presented as like savages is a little fucking ridiculous. Like, you know, these guys, because, you know, certainly the perception in these guys was, oh, you can't headbutt a Samoan and oh, right. they're savages and they climb coconuts and these motherfuckers are from Pensacola. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I got it. And so that's all I mean. It's, it, and, and I know that that's silly, but like Roman Reigns. You know, he's just as Samoan as these guys are, and, and he's not presented in this way. So these days, people right. would say, oh, that's fucking bullshit. But, it, you know, around the same time on the other channel, they've got Tony Atlas dressed up like uh, what Saba Simba or whatever his name is, <laughs> right? Right. Well, hang on a second. What about Samoan Joe? Isn't that kind of a racist thing? I don't know. I don't know if that's the same thing, dude. All right. I mean, because he's sort of presenting himself as a shoot fighter. He's got the kick pads right. on and, right. you know, like, right, right. like Muay Thai shorts. And meanwhile, sure. these guys are coming out with puka shells. <laughs> it feels like they just, uh, and here's the thing. I have it on good authority. Those fucking necklaces. They're not from Polynesia. They got them no. down with their airbrushing in Pensacola at one of those <laughs> like Alvin's islands. 
Yeah, it's called it was called Puka Mart. Yeah, Puka Mart. Puka Mart, Puka, absolutely. Or as Bruce would say, Pukas are us. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. To me, you've got to appreciate this old school style wrestling. These guys have been in the ring for I don't know, it feels like forever. They haven't even touched. They're just getting the heat. It's old school. And it doesn't really translate to a great television product, but old Southern wrestling, man, that's what you did. Yeah. You're not kidding. Absolutely. You got the heat beforehand. And of course, if you were going to go like 20 minutes, it also learned to kill like five minutes of your match. You didn't have to work too. Now uh, you need to uh, uh, chat me up because I'm not sure. And I know, you know, chat me up the, uh, the Samoan uh, uh, lineage tree here. Well, whose kids are wrestling and who's doing what here now? Okay. Everybody's related to everybody except Samoa Joe. You're all caught up. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm being serious. Like they all claim everybody, everybody's okay. something. Right. Except right. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe <laughs> drew the fucking short straw on that deal. <laughs> all right. Tommy rich. And it, you know, you know, another thing that's amazing Here's a crossbody one, two, three, a what? 10 years prior to this. Tommy rich is the hottest thing in Georgia. Hottest thing in Georgia. Absolutely. You know, what's funny is I work with a lady, uh, in the mortgage business who, uh, runs one of my shops in, um, in Ohio, she does phenomenal. And every time we ever talk about wrestling, cause she's like, are you still doing that wrestling podcast thing? Yes. Uh, cause you know, a lot of people don't get it. I understand. And sure. she's like, um, do you ever know, do you ever meet wildfire Tommy rich? And she just goes on and on and on about how wonderful and how her and her friend in school used to fight over who's he was. And you know, he's my man. And she had like the wildfire Tommy rich posters. And it's the first person that I've ever met who, who was that way. Now I've heard about, you know, oh man, he was hot. He was a heartthrob. Everybody in Georgia was for him. I mean, he had the girls just, and it's like, what this dude. And then I actually met someone who was like, Oh yeah, Tommy rich. Oh yeah. I, because Tommy, one of the things that made Tommy so special in, in Georgia was no one looked like him. He had that bleach blonde hair, long hair and had that, that Southern rap. And the people in Georgia felt like he was, even though he was from Tennessee, felt like he was one of theirs and he was good looking and he didn't have the great Greek God body, but he was just a good, as Arn Anderson used to say, he was the matinee idol is what he was, according to Arn Anderson. And I guess you had to be in Georgia, watching Georgia championship wrestling to understand that. Well, I'm a... Uh... I'm, I'm interested in the phenomenon that was Tommy wildfire rich. I mean, the only thing I know about Tommy rich that would have him over with me is man, that motherfucker knows about carburetors, baby. <laughs> he does. I mean, he knows how to turn a wrench or two. <laughs> uh, I, you were there during, uh, Ole Anderson's, uh, roast. uh, they're the roast. Wow, I'm losing my words. I'm getting too old. And they, they had Tommy come up. And Tommy was so funny. I don't know why we're up here uh, uh, honoring Ole Anderson. He was, that motherfucker's an asshole. <laughs> I, thought going to... <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah, right. And, of course, Tommy worked, you know, with Ole a long, long time in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, and Tommy, like all of us, is aged and can't get around as well as he as he once could. And, uh, Mike Rotunda, uh, is, uh, one of the guys backstage in the WWE right now that 
uh, and I'm not speaking for him, so I don't know for sure, but just uh, from an eyeball test, for me, uh, it's one of those producers in the backstage area that looks pretty fucking miserable. Uh, but it's a job, so who's complaining, right? No doubt. I don't think yeah. anybody's complaining. Yeah, I guess not. I guess Man. we should mention here that um, around this time, the NWA was trying to do some things with the AWA. Yeah. And people were sort of scratching their head about it. And in mid-May, it comes out in the torch, all ties between the NWA and the AWA have been broken off indefinitely. The NWA pulled their offer to cooperate in varying capacities when Jerry Jarrett pulled his offer to work with the NWA. The NWA decided that without the USWA, it was not working with only the AWA and therefore withdrew their offer. What do you remember about this affiliation with the NWA, the AWA, the USWA? I know you were coming in when this thing sort of winded down, but chat me. Yeah. Well, what I heard about it was it was one of those things, again, where it goes down to this. When you get all these promoters who want to come together and co-promote something, they all want to be in charge. And Turner Broadcasting thought that it should be in charge because it was Turner Broadcasting and back then slash the NWA. So it broke apart because no one, they could not agree on who was going to be the boss, right? And that was the that was the whole reason behind that. It's a story. It's a long time story, forever and ever and ever. I mean, that's why promoters had the territories back then because well, they knew they could work better with territories, and they both could run their own show without having to answer to anybody else. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the decision to sort of move Oli in because it's not just Oli's the booker. They're doing away with the whole committee and going to one single booker and Wade Keller would write attention NWA booker candidates, Vern Gagne, Jerry Jarrett, Eddie Gilbert, Bill Watts, Jerry Lawler, please step aside. Ole Anderson is the latest answer to the NWA's woes. At least that's what the fans and the promotion think. Mm. Ole Anderson has been the booker of the NWA before, but when they were regional in the early eighties, I'm going to hold judgment on the decision to promote. Anderson to Booker until I see the direction the NWA goes. However, the decision to replace the multi-member quote unquote booking committee concept was a long time coming and an encouraging step in the right direction. Do you agree with that? That booking committees just really don't work? No, they don't work. You don't you because you you talk an angle to death. I've I've been in, in plenty of booking committee meetings to where you get nothing accomplished. Everybody has his own opinion. Someone has to make a decision. Someone has to make a decision. Dusty used to always tell me, he said, I'm going to do it my own way because, and I'm going to live or die with it. I'm not going to give any excuses. I'm not going to blame any other person. It's going to be me making the decisions. And that was the best thing to do. And of course, I mean, we're seeing now with, uh, you know, with the WWE uses a, uh, you know, creative people. And they have a, I guess they have what they call a committee. I don't know if they have a committee or what. And I just wonder how long it takes them to get something done. You know, you can wear your fucking self out in a booking committee meeting. Absolutely. And what, and what I mean, wear yourself out to the point to where your creativity goes down and the product, the product suffers because of it. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> It is. Well, I'm not arguing that at all. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, 
You know, we used to have at this time, Keith Mitchell coined the term with us, Medomania. Because every time something happened in WCW, Jim Hurd wanted to call a fucking meeting. To the point to where that's all we were fucking doing is meeting and not getting shit done. Yeah, meetings about meetings. Right. And that's all a booking committee is, is a fucking big meeting and no one's getting anything done. So, yeah, I, I never was for a booking committee. I was for, for one guy. And I know in Hollywood they have writers. I understand that. But still, there's got to be a head writer, and there's got to be one person making the decision. So, I guess we should mention here that uh, even though Jim Hurd is still here, mm. Ole is in charge, but Jim Hurd has final veto power. Is that the way right. you understood it? Yeah, he's running the company. Exactly. It's like uh, he's the Jim Crockett. It was uh, written in the uh, torch. Bill Watts was very close to getting the booking job, but unfortunately one clause prevented it from happening. Watts wanted final say in all booking decisions. Heard wanted veto power over Watts decisions and a compromise could not be met. So in came Ole. What do you think would have been different about 1990 and 1991 had Watts had it the entire time? That is a great question. I I'm not so sure. What would have been different? Because even if even if Jim Hurd would have agreed to give total power to Bill Watts, I think he would have reneged on that. And we would have been just in the midst, a company in the midst of a power struggle between two guys. That's how I feel it would have happened. I, I can never I could not have seen Jim Hurd giving up his veto power, and I could not ever see uh Bill Watts allowing her to do that. So if that would, they would finally say, okay, yeah, let's, let's work it out. Let's see if it can't work out. It would have never worked out. And we would have been worse off than we were. Hmm. We wouldn't have seen RoboCop. I don't think. <laughs> no, I would, agree. I would agree. Yeah. We wouldn't have seen, probably wouldn't have seen the, uh, the magician and the disappearing act with the black scorpion. Wouldn't have seen all that bullshit. I think. Uh, so that would have been different. So let's talk about it, uh, because it's all here in the, I'm sorry to say the observer, the torch flair's position, maybe not as world champion, but at least as the top star in the NWA as secure, as long as Ole is Booker, such may not have been the case with other bookers. Many within the NWA groaned at the news that Ole was named Booker, the quote unquote new breed within the NWA will likely continue to be held back by the quote unquote old school. Had Watts gotten the booking position, two great young minds, Gilbert and Dangerously, were sure to have input and some power. With Ole in power, Flair will retain considerable power, while Gilbert, Dangerously, and others will have to watch their steps. The next few months are sure to be interesting. Had Watts or Gilbert gotten the booking position, there probably would have been a lot of changes. Ole will probably continue with the same program, but try to focus for more organization and the wrestlers. If Ole Anderson as Booker fails, it's time that the NWA brass roll the dice and take a chance on Watts or Gilbert. You know, in hindsight, Wade Keller had it fucking nailed, did he not? Yeah, he did. Uh, and it was pretty apparent that Paulie and, and Gilbert called uh, Wade Keller a lot. Uh, can I ask you something? Why, why are we uh, why are we talking about the torch all of a sudden this week? And, and not the observer. Have, have I have I just crapped on uh, Meltzer enough for you? 
for my life. No. Do you want to uh, you want to start yelling no. fuck Wade Keller? No, no. Okay. I don't. Because uh, I know I'm, I'm going to see Wade in Chicago, and I don't want to have to say, yeah, Wade, I said fuck you, but I really didn't mean it. Oh, wait. Kind hang, of on, work. hang on, hang on, hang on. So when you see Dave Meltzer milling around Chicago yeah. StarCast weekend, because he's going to yeah. be there, but you, we're not putting you on the same panel with him because he doesn't okay. do clown shows. Right. Um, those are his <laughs> words, not mine. But when, when you Wait, see- whoa, stop the fucking presses. He doesn't do clown shows. That's right. Well, okay. Um, but I, this is worth mentioning. I know you have, okay. I know we're doing some, some fun, funny, ha ha. His yeah. partner, Brian Alvarez, put your commentary yeah. on MLW over so hard the other week. It was ridiculous. I believe the exact phrase he used to describe your work on MLW the other week was fucking awesome. Really? Yes. So I know that, you know, we have some fun and, and you, we certainly try to, air on the side of being entertaining rather than right the jj dylan just the facts ma'am right um but still i mean i'm curious because you said i really don't want to say fuck wait because i know i'm gonna have to see him but you've been yelling fuck dave Meltzer for like over a year and yeah. odds are good you'll at least see him in chicago over starcast weekend right what's right. that interaction gonna be like you're just gonna blow it all off or y'all no. y'all throwing no. down I'll say, uh, hey, Dave, Tony Schiavone, and, and I really like you, but that fucking Conrad Thompson tells me to always say, fuck Dave Meltzer, it's good for numbers. I don't I don't actually say that. Okay. But you may have, it may have been implied. I'll admit to that. <laughs> uh, I mean, because here's the deal. The one time you went on a real rant, I did yeah. turn it into a rap song. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's what I do, yeah. though. Well, actually, it's what Matt Coon did. Before he decided to focus on Dutch Mantel's podcast. Hey, have you heard Dutch's podcast lately? No. Is anyone else? No, because they're not doing it. Uh, Dutch has been ill, but I'm glad you're making fun of him. Really? Yeah. He's had some health troubles, but there's nothing to worry about. I don't think. I think it's just something that a lot of people get this time of year, you know, cold and flu season. And you're like, fuck this. Especially when you're old as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's got that mustache and I imagine a lot of debris gets caught in there, you know, not just food, but like small animals, rodents, shit like that. Well, you know, his nickname, Dirty Dutch Mantel was not just a gimmick. Oh, he was really dirty, huh? Oh, he's a filthy motherfucker. Who's filthier, Dutch Mantel or Klondike Bill? (laughs) They are both very filthy in their own ways. There you go. I don't think Dutch ever put panties in his mouth that I know of. You know, it was uh, speculated in the torch, um, as detailed in below the bottom line, Ole Anderson has been promoted to Booker, the NWA, anything that was planned for capital combat could easily be changed. Now that Ole is Booker, I still look for Luger to win the world title in the cage. I would not Hmm. be surprised to see doom and the midnight express pick up the tag team titles. If all three titles change hands, it would be the most changes since Chi-Town rumble 89 and RoboCop's role is supposed to be minimal. It's it sort of seems a little too late for me for Luger here. I know that a lot of people were clamoring for Luger to win the belt, but I think the time to do it was probably eighty eight. Just that's just me freestyling. Because here in ninety, it seems so evident that they were planning the switch with Sting when he had that injury that now it just feels like they're just sort of biding time for Sting to win it, which we know he's going to the very next month, the Great American Bash. What's your thoughts here? Did you did you think there was a any sort of logical reason for Luger to win it here in 90? No, not at all. 
Not at all to take it off Ric Flair. Absolutely not. Uh, and that match is coming up. However, uh, Conrad, we do have me here. And uh, let me say this, that uh, a couple of my grandkids go to uh, schools in uh, in uh, Cherokee County. Uh, and we're talking to a member of the Cherokee County School Board here. And to my right is Rick Steiner. And Rick, I want to know how you deal with parents. I just say, uh, you know, fuck them. I'm not a principal. I'm not a teacher. I'm a member of a fucking school board. Uh, and I say, you get near me, I'll fucking stretch you. I'm going to stretch some parents before the year's over. I'll guarantee you. All right, Scott, what's on the uh, hot menu today? Well, Tony Schiavone, let me say to you, fuck you and that other guy. We don't even use <laughs> we don't even use the word ham cubes at my restaurant in Ackworth. We're not allowed to use ham cubes. I don't want anybody to say ham cubes to me and to that fucker in SmackDown who had the sign ham cubes, easy way, hard way, your choice. Well, fuck you too. I'm you see from Bay City near Saginaw, and of course well, that's been impoverished for. Uh, 32 years or so, as long as I've been around. Right, brother? Just stand over there and look dumb. Let me say this. Whatever's on the hot bar is what I say is on the bar. So to you, Tony Schiavone, and to that fucking other guy, fuck you. All right. The Steiner brothers are in rare form. Let's go back, leaving here from school board and ham cubes, and let's go back to the ring. Yeah, I love the Steiners in this era. I mean, I know we've had a lot of fun with them, but yeah. everything about the Steiners in 1990 was just my absolute favorite. They were my favorite tag team here. No question. More than demolition, more than the road warriors. They're my favorites. How about these Jim Cornette glasses here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I do need to say this about the Steiners. They were badass son of a bitches, man. And they gave you the best matches. Oh, you know, what's fun is lately. I don't even know that I told you this. Did I tell you that Shoney Zachworth on Twitter actually blocked me? Wow. I think are I'm, you, are you serious? No, that's a, that's a, that's a real thing. I'm pretty sure I'm the first person in the history of Twitter to be blocked by a fucking Shoney's not even like the main Shoney's, but like mm. an individual I've got to be their only blocked account. Right. I mean, how many people, first of all. How many people even knew that a local Shoney's has a Twitter number well, one? You, you obviously did because you were fo trying to follow it. No, I was not tagging them. Okay. I, I did not tag them in anything, but other people did. And, yeah. um, oh God. you know, even though I'm just the other guy, whenever yeah. they ask about me, uh, apparently yeah. they knew enough to look my name up and block the fuck out of me. Yeah, I wish I was the other guy. <laughs> I wish Scott didn't know my name. You know, he, he knows my name. He's got my number. We've talked. He's been to my yeah. house. Like, we, yeah, he's also got some of your money too, and that's as far as we're going to go with that. And here comes Teddy Long and this hair match uh, with Missy Hyatt, the special referee. I want you to notice uh, as this match uh, gets underway, there's a guy down at ringside in the far ringside who hates Teddy Long. And man, he is cheering against Teddy Long for all he's worth. Uh, this is, you know, Lois was watching this match with me. She said, how is this a hair versus hair match? Neither guy's got hair. That's a great call. Great call, <laughs> Lois. Great call. Yeah, absolutely. I said, well, honey, that's that's what I came back to. That's why this is one of the reasons I was in the, the family room crying that one day. Look at, <laughs> look at this horrible offense from Teddy Young. I love Teddy Young, but my God, look at this. 
<laughs> well, Teddy Long's a Hall of Famer, man. No, that's what I was going to say. It's funny yeah. that, you know, of all the people who've been out there tonight, Teddy Long is the <laughs> Hall of Famer. Not not discouraging or discrediting any of his accomplishments. Just saying, right. my goodness. Yeah, Teddy. I mean, Teddy, uh, literally, uh, you know, as we the old cliche goes, he's done it all. He literally has done it all. Yeah, I mean, you talk about yeah. a guy who went from, like, sweeping the floors at TV to being right. a Hall of Famer. I mean, he literally did everything from putting up the ring to being a manager to being a commentator to being a GM. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. literally did it all, and he's one of the great good guys in wrestling. Like, nobody's ever had a conversation with Teddy Long and, and not been entertained. Exactly. He loaded up. He, he loaded up the right hand there at that time. Loaded up the right hand. What the fuck are we doing? Now, pretty soon, I think I'm right. You're going to see the guy down at ringside, not the guy, not the lady in the red, but the guy next to her is going to just go crazy. I think he's going to go crazy when Teddy gets knocked out and gets. They start. Uh, and it's funny. They're they're going to say here in the commentary, and this is again how fucked up we were. They're going to shave his head. Well, they didn't even shave his head. They cut off a couple of locks, and that was it. See the guy. See him jumping up, man. He, he hated Teddy Long. Hated Teddy Long. It's unbelievable, man. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, I feel like we should uh, just remark on the incredible shape that Paul Ellering's in here. Yeah, always has been. Always has been. Of course, Paul had uh, had a torn pec, I guess, that curtailed his wrestling career. And see the guy, the guy jumping up and down. Right behind that side. Beat his ass. Cut his hair, motherfucker. Cut his hair. God, he's so fired up. Yes, sir. It really adds to your enjoyment just to watch that guy, doesn't it? (laughs) No, man. He must have had an issue with Teddy. Teddy must have took his woman or something. Hey, let let me tell you a little bit about the silliness here that's in the torch. Just a note on the Capital Combat ads with Sting and Robocop. If you look closely, you will notice that Sting may not really be Sting. The head mm. is that of Sting, but it appears that it has been attached to a different body thanks mm. to the miracle of computers. Oh, Possibly wow. Sting's physique has deteriorated or someone just wanted to have fun with high-tech equipment. <laughs> miracle of computers and high-tech equipment. Can you, can you believe this is real, that that was actually in the sheet? Now, I, you know, it feels like we're picking on Wade here, but man, that's fucking hilarious. If you're not sure about the photo we're talking about, Go check out, and, and you can just throw this in your Google machine, Capital Combat 1990, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about through the miracle of computers. First of all, I don't think Sting has a bad physique in this. I don't think so either, but as you can tell, there's nobody up here. Will we bring somebody the fuck in to talk to me? And shouldn't these people go? Oh, thank God. Here they are, Ole Anderson. Oh, yeah, bring him in. You guys shouldn't be walking in, you dumbasses. And who's this stiff behind us here, Ole, with the uh, tux on? Well, let me tell you this. They wanted me. And, I, and I, listen, I'm a man, all right? They wanted me to be the booker. And I said, all right, I'll be the fucking booker. And then they said, guess what? In the first show, you got fucking Robococop in your show. Robococop? No, Robococop in your show. And I said, in the ring? And they said, no, do whatever you want, you want to. I said, I tell you what I, uh, what I probably should do is put that motherfucker in the ring to show you how horseshit this thing really is. Be that as it may, tonight we are going to make sure that the Nature Boy Ric Flair holds on to the World Heavyweight Championship because I'm the booker now, and I say I'm the booker now, and I am not going to. And let's 
fuck, let's bring him in here. He's always had a shitty match in my uh, my estimation anyway. That's right. Let me say this. You are looking at the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And I thought I was going to lose this title. But then when I found out The Rock was going to be the booker, I knew that I would be holding on to the title once again. That's exactly right. Before I blow my voice out, I've got to say a couple more things about the man to my left, Arn Anderson. Arn and I have been up and down the road a million times. And tonight, we are going to drink. We are going to sweat. We are going to bleed. We are going to play the price, double A, and we're probably going to end up getting laid as well. Well, speak for yourself, champ. But let me tell you this. I'm from Rome, Georgia. And where I come from, Tommy Rich was a major star. Me, my head's as big as a bucket. Take a look at these eyes. You think I look bad now? Wait till you see me in 28 years. I blow up like a fucking balloon. And for all you guys that want to see this swolt up man behind us say something, forget it. Sid Vicious is not going to talk. Now let's go back to the ring. Yeah, I love that version of the horseman. I know you hate him, but I love him. I love <laughs> really? Sid as a horseman. I love Arn. I love Flair. You slide Barry yeah. in there. It's the best. And I like yeah. Ole as the mouthpiece. I guess we should mention here, JJ Dillon, he's out of there. He's uh, he's up north. So Ole, even though they were sort of calling him the fifth horseman, he's really just in the JJ role, right? Yeah, right. Because he had, he had finished his ring career. And he was just the mouthpiece. And Ole was, look, if this is a put-over Ole show, let's do it again. One of the great talkers ever. A believable motherfucker. Believable. He used to get on there and say, you know, if you think you're bad, if you think you're a, if you're a truck driver and you watch these shows and you think I can take on Ole Anderson, you're more than welcome to come on down and give it a try. He said that all the time. And, you know, truck drivers believed it. He was a believable son of a bitch. All right. Let's talk about, uh, your return here. It's in the March 22nd edition of the torch. Tony Schiavone has re-signed with the national wrestling Alliance following WrestleMania six, and will leave the WWF and wrestling challenge in favor of becoming a producer of syndication for the NWA. And will probably reclaim his old worldwide show. Um, around this same time, uh, since we, we saw that he wasn't here, it may have been a clue that Dan Spivey was uh, rehired and then refired. Uh, he no showed the television taping the day before this event and was fired. What do you remember about all of a sudden Dan Spivey, who, uh, they were putting a little bit of momentum with he's sure. out. Well, they, they had, uh, he and Sue were the twin towers at one time and they had, look, I viewed I viewed Dan Spivey and the road warriors as, here I come and there they go type. What in the world? What have I got myself into? Right. Uh, one of those things. And uh, it it was very unsettling for me. That's how I viewed it. Look, I really think here comes, here comes two of my favorites, as you know. God bless Z-Man and God bless Brian Pillman as well. The Hot uh, Tag Express, we should remind you, is one of our best shirts over at LoisRules.com. And we've got plenty of different shirts over at LoisRules.com, but Hot Tag Express, probably one of the more underrated shirts. Wouldn't you agree? One of the more underrated shirts. You know, we've got a lot of un, uh, underrated shirts. Yeah, I mean, I, the um, one the one everybody's wearing around my house is Low-Key Big Hog. 
Uh, but I'm really looking forward to the uh, Bill's Glass Bottom Boat Ride uh, as a koozie, which I've actually got on order from boxagimmicks.com right now. Hey, you know, uh, one of the uh, ones that is getting uh, its stride in popularity, I didn't think it would, Slap Dick Nation. How about that? Slap Dick Nation. I, I, thought, I thought that maybe Slap Dick wasn't something that somebody wanted to wear on their shirt. But if you're a member of the Slap Dick Nation, Conrad, apparently you're proud of it. By God. Let me tell you the coolest coffee mug you can have at the office. It's the low-key big hog from boxagimmicks.com. And one of the things that we sold a lot of this last week, Tony, are the baby onesies that say low-key big hog at boxagimmicks.com. But the beach towel of, of Bill's glass bottom boat rod and the um the koozie, that's just it's too good to be true. And, and I've already actually purchased a couple of low-key big hog koozies for friends because I know that they will wear them around the pool all summer long. It's boxagimmicks.com for all the other stuff. It's lowestrules.com for your t-shirts. And when I say stuff, they got beer steins, mugs, wind shirts, hoodies, literally all the silliness you can imagine. And we're adding more stuff every day. I've even got buttons on the way, Tony. What's your thoughts about having buttons for sale on here? You're welcome. For having a dick the size of Vienna sausage, you're welcome. I mean, I figure we might as well make some dividends. I mean, this thing has not really paid off so far. Why not make some money with it here, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So one of the old gimmicks here we're seeing on the screen, Capital Combat here, Jim Cornette locked in the cage, the old Shark Tank cage. And uh, wheeled out to the center of the aisle. At least it's not hoisted up above the ring like they used to do, right? No, it's it's not. And, of course, it's in a strategic spot here because, as we now know, as history has taught us, this is where the entire RoboCop gimmick is going to take place. Uh, So uh, that's why it's – and, you know, also – Cornette was told very uh, decisively, very frankly, uh, leave the bars on the doors alone because the bars on the door were kind of made of rubber. And and a funny thing you're going to see when RoboCop comes in, you can tell that the bars on the door have been kind of pulled out a little bit. <laughs> they could you could tell they were phony bars. But that does that. All this silliness with with Cornette in there should not take away from the fact we've got uh, four very good workers in here, in my estimation. And also, unfortunately, uh, of the five guys in the ring, three of them have passed on. That's something. Yeah, including the referee. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a crazy thing here because. You know, I I don't think history really gives the credit due to all the performers here. You know, we've talked about how Bobby Eaton's one of the most underrated performers of all time. Stan Lane, more than adequate. Of course, nobody really puts him over the way they do Dennis Condry. But I grew up on this version, so this is my favorite. But Brian Pillman and Z-Man were a really good tag team. And I feel like a lot of people sort of dismissed Z-Man as saying, well, he was just good looking and made that money and got the push for his looks, not necessarily his work. But when he was teaming with Brian Pillman, man, I thought they were a really good tag team. That slingshot that we just saw from Tremendous. the outside in double team, spectacular move especially, that they did, especially in 1990, you know, right. These days it would not be a big deal. It would be something no. you would see every Monday or, or Tuesday, but back then, man, that was a fucking hot move. That was a hot move that absolutely. And, and you're right. They were in many ways, a very, very underrated tag team. 
I don't know that I've told you this. Maybe I have. Did I tell you that I met the Z-Man as a little slapdick? No. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I've been saving this because I've had my mom looking for the picture. But my dad used to take me to uh, see wrestling in Montgomery. I grew up in Prattville, and we would go to the uh, Montgomery Coliseum. I think it's called Garrett Coliseum now. And we would see WCW do their syndicated tapings there. And it would just be one enhancement match after another for hours and hours and hours. You know, those old days. Yeah. And beforehand, there was this deal that they would promote on radio and TV that if you came early, the first X number of kids got their picture with a WCW wrestler and you didn't get to pick who it was. You just got in line and then they said, okay, you're here or you're there or whatever. So of course, everybody in line wants to get their picture made with sting or, you know, Brian Pillman. Well, I got the fucking Z man. How about that? And so I've got a Polaroid somewhere at my mom's house and she's been digging for it, looking for me for a while to try to find uh, a picture of, I don't know, like a nine or 10 year old me with, uh, the Z man. Wow. A couple of interesting things coming out of that story that I was probably in the same building many times with a little snot year old, nine year old brat yep. that I now work for with whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. Who would have thought that we would, that we would be doing all this stuff together I know. It when, just, when I'm in the stands as a, a kid trying yeah. trying to get hair on my peaches. Yeah. So listen, tell your mom, if she can dig and find that picture, I just might find that six man tag team belt. Okay. Well, I know that you're not gonna, we've had 19 false finishes on that fucking belt. And besides that, there's already been a hit put out. Uh, Jay-Z has launched the army and, uh, Jay-Z may or may not have, uh, some, some friends in law enforcement. And so uh-huh. what's going to happen is we're going to murder your friend <laughs> Wait, and no, we're going to no. get the belt back. And then no, these, these dirty no. cops are going to cover it all up. No, no, no. The, the band director of Pope high school is a great man. He great was, man. He was and you leave, God hey, rest you, his soul. You leave his ass alone. God, well, I'm not going to touch his ass. It's everything else. <laughs> like, you know, he better give his ass to the Lord. Cause that damn six man <laughs> belt belongs to me. You hear me? That's coming here. <laughs> what have I done to a great man? Oh well, Lord. What have I done to a great man? Rest, Where are we in this man? Well, we're doing monkey flips <laughs> from Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> By the way, as much as I love Bobby Eaton, is he not the most interesting looking performer ever? I mean that, yeah. It feels like with that haircut, he's like king of the swap meet, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> he feels he's he uh, he feels like he's one of those guys in Douglasville, Georgia. Did you see that they had a fight at a cornhole tournament? No, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try to get some of that audio and play it during our promotional considerations. Okay. Hey, let me ask you this: We uh, speaking of audio, last week we played a Matt Coon little ditty that he yeah. did uh about your favorite rap song your favorite tupac shakur song what'd you think of matt coon's uh remix i thought it was phenomenal just absolutely phenomenal uh lois kind of rolled her eyes at it well i guess we should mention shout out to dutch mantel for being sick the last two weeks allowing matt coon the free time to make our silly shit yeah yeah matt coon do some work for a change that's weird i admit it is okay Hey, uh, I guess we should mention that uh, tickets are going on sale on sale for StarCast this week. And as far as I know, this is going to be your only public wrestling appearance this year besides MLW. But, you know, lots of people say, when are you doing the live show? When are you doing the live show? Well, how about we're doing it 
over Labor Day weekend in Chicago, right, Tony? Labor Day weekend in Chicago, and we we are going to be loaded with some, I think, some incredible things. If you've liked our podcast, if you've loved our podcast, if you heard us talk about a lot of these crazy characters that I've run through, that we've run through in and to through our lives, uh, then they will, uh, we'll talk about them in depth coming up uh, when we're in Chicago. And I'm going to be there on Thursday and Friday in Chicago. I, I can't stay for the show on Saturday, but I, I really look forward to this because, you know, I've, I've seen the website. I've seen the graphics. Man, it's uh, this thing. It's going to be it's going to be what this is not. Obviously, it's not WrestleMania, but this is pretty damn close for independent wrestling. Oh is no! It, is, this is, it, this is, is, is yeah. This is yeah. WrestleMania for independent wrestling. You know, Cody yeah. and the Young Bucks put the the tickets on sale, and the fucking thing sold out in like a half hour. More than ten thousand tickets gone like that. Right. So we're looking forward to uh, being their official convention partner. I guess it was like some big surprise o- over the weekend that uh, I'm helping put the thing together. Uh, I don't know why it's a wrestling podcast convention. It feels like I've got 900 other motherfuckers. So here we go. But well, let, you let, are the pod father. Well, I didn't. You know what's funny? No, As you, I, are, you are. I talked to Hurricane Helms about that this week, and he said, "Hey, motherfucker, you stole my gimmick." And I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "I've been calling myself the pod father for fucking years." And I was like, "I don't call myself the pod father." He's like, "I'm not even mad." I saw that shirt, and I was like, "That shit looks good. Like it belongs with Conrad." So. So I got I got the blessing from Hurricane, and if Hurricane right. says it's okay, then it's okay. So hey, let's talk about Starcast because I want we haven't really talked about this or promoted it anywhere. Can we just smarten everybody up about what you're going to be doing at this thing? Because I think it's awesome. Sure. So Chris McDonald, the guy who does all our city videos, silly videos, and a lot of the fun graphics, he's actually recreated the old TBS set. So we're going to have a, a TBS set there at Starcast. And we're going to have you in an old Jim Crockett promotions blazer with one of the old mic cubes, like back in the day, one of those old school mics. And you're going to be able to come with Tony Schiavone, stand in front of that WTBS backdrop, and he'll interview you and let you cut a promo like it was 1986. And as if that wasn't enough, Dave Milliken from DaveMillikenBelts.com is going to bring a whole host of ring use titles. So the tag belts that you see here on this very show that are held by the Steiner brothers, those belts are going to be there. So you and your buddy could come out on the WTVS set with the original ring use NWA world tag team titles and cut a promo with Tony Schiavone. How fucking fun is that, Tony? Wow. That is, that is absolutely tremendous. Take pictures, uh, get to know each other and, uh, you know, think about what you want to say, man, make it a good one. Cut a promo. You know, it'll be there, you know, in the digital world, it'll be there forever. And uh, so we're going to have so much fun. And then we're going to be doing our, uh, that's only one of the things we're going to be doing, right, right, Connor? That's right. Later that night, that's on Thursday, August 30th. Later that night, we're going to do Botchamania. Now, Botchamania is something that you may not be familiar with, Tony, but it's basically the video version of what we do here, where they show you funny, silly clips and put little snarky comments over it. Our man Matthew is making the trip across the pond uh, to give us an exclusive Botchamania greatest hits. And uh, we're going to have that and we're going to have some professional help. Not just me joining you. We're going to have one of the world's funniest comedians, Mr. Ron Funches, watching that with you, doing some silly commentary. And uh, that night is also going to have Cassio Kid opening up for Ron Funches. Oh Cassio will tell you some jokes. Ron will tell you some jokes. 
And then Ron's going to sit down and uh, make you laugh watching some of these hilarious hijinks from Botchamania. That's all going down on Thursday, August 30th. But the very next day, we're not done with Tony. Uh, eventually, we'll have an opportunity for you to have breakfast with Tony on Friday. But around lunchtime, it's the main event. It's what happened when Tony Schiavone and I, our only live show, or so it seems, of 2018, and this time we're going to have guests. We've talked about a lot of crazy characters on the show here, and there's rumor and innuendo that some of those same people are actually going to be at StarCast so we can get the band together. And me and you have sort of talked about some of the things and hijinks we can put together. Is this not going to exceed all expectations? I am super stoked. Super stoked about this, Conrad. Uh, not only because I get to work with you and I get to see some of my friends again, but because, man, this is building up to be just a great week. And can I add a little surprise in there? Let's do it. All right. The Tony Schiavone that you see right now may not be the same type of Tony Schiavone that you see at the end of September. You know what? The end of- I, have, I have an idea what you're talking about because the speculation is that you've been doing or you have just recently started DDP yoga. Yes, I have. Lois has too. And DDP yoga is actually going to be one of the workshops that we're doing at Starcast the very next morning. So Saturday, September 1st, you'll get to wake up and do a workshop directly with Dallas from eight 30 to 10 AM. And uh, he's going to teach you everything that you probably learned this past week. How would you describe the experience at the performance center with DDP? Well, here's how I would describe it. Diamond Dallas said, come on over. I want to show you and Lois around. All right. That was the rib. The rib was he was going to work Lois and I out. Right. And he busted our ass. <laughs> so if you think you're going to go to a workshop with Dallas and you're just going to look and learn a few things, get ready to do a little work. He'll Dallas is the type of guy that will not take a no for an answer. His performance uh, center is absolutely phenomenal. And Lois looked at me. She said, we're going to work out today. I said, just go with it, sweetie. <laughs> so we did a 20-minute workout. And, uh, yeah, so we're uh, hopefully I'll be in better shape than I am now. So starcast.com tickets go on sale this week. Um, I don't know how to say this without it seeming like I'm puffing my chest out. It's going to sell it out, out, buddy. It's going to sell out. We're planning a lot of big events. We're going to make tickets pretty affordable, you know, tickets to see Bruce and I are 35 and 75 tickets to see Tony Bruce and uh, Tony Bruce and I last year were 50 bucks. Uh, we're going to be in that same range over at starcast.com, depending on what you want to do and who you want to see, but you'll have an opportunity to do all kinds of fun stuff that you might not normally imagine you can do like cutting a promo on the TBS set, man, that's something else, dude. I'm excited. Absolutely. And, and just remember it's all part of being in the clown show that Dave Meltzer's not invited to motherfucker. Uh, he's going to be there. He's just going to be doing other stuff, but botchamania with Tony Schiavone, Ron Funches and Cassio kid, plus a little stand up, and you get to cut a promo with Tony. And then the next day, what happened when with, with myself and Tony Schiavone and of course a whole host of guests, uh, eventually we will drip out that information on how you can do that VIP breakfast, lunch, or dinner or whatever we work out for Tony. It'll be like a dirty dozen concept that most of you listening are familiar with. There'll be 12 fans. You'll share a meal with Tony Schiavone. We're going to ask to collect your cell phones just so you can talk about whatever we can't talk about here on the podcast and then grab those phones at the end of the afternoon or the end of the meal, take your pics, take your autographs, the whole deal. So if you've ever wanted to cut a promo with Tony, have lunch with Tony, see our show live with a bunch of silly guests or watch botchamania with Tony and a couple of comedians sort of cracking jokes. 
This is what you're looking for at starcast.com. Tickets are going to sell out. So when you see the alerts, snatch them up, follow it on Twitter at starcast 18. Uh, I'm fired up, man. I think it's going to be a cool event. Yeah, I agree. And you should be fired up because I know you've put a lot of time and effort into this. It's uh it's phenomenal, Conrad. It's absolutely phenomenal. And what's the website again? Starcast.com. That's S T A R R C A S T. So yeah. just like Starcade. Right. So we, we we squished Starcade and Star uh, and and uh, podcast together. So S T A R R C A S T dot com. It's going to be a fun deal. And, um, the all in guys are going to be there. We're going to do the all in weigh-ins. We'll have lots of meet and greets. We've got a death of WCW panel that weekend, which I can't believe, but the guy who wrote the book, RD Reynolds, he's going to be there along with Dave Penzer, Eric Bischoff, Kevin Sullivan, JJ Dillon, lots of fun stuff planned An NWO reunion. Terry Funk will be there looking at his empty arena match with Jerry Lawler. We're going to review the war games with JJ Tully, Lex and animal. Jeff Jarrett will be there. We're going to roast Bruce Pritchard. I mean, we've got tons of fun, silly, interactive events, starcast.com. And now I'll stop shilling it. Uh, and I guess I should say, because apparently this is big news. I am helping put it together. Uh, so it, you know, it it feels weird. It would have felt super douche to me, Tony, to say Conrad Thompson presents starcast 18. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not what I do. The name of this show is what happened when with Tony Schiavone, the other show was 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. The other show is something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. My name doesn't belong on there. I'm a fan, but I am a fan who I think has the finger on the pulse of what we other fans want to see. I think this is all saying, and, and, you know, we're, we've been doing our podcast now in our second year here and, uh, we're, we're watching capital combat and making fun of it. And, you know, we, we, we want you to watch along. You don't have to watch along with us, but you're doing all these podcasts and, and you know their MLW is back on. You got the sellout of the uh, of this all in event. Uh, and Diamond Dallas Page said this to me the other day. He said, "You know what? Now is one of the greatest times ever in pro wrestling." And it, it really is. When it we is. thought that Vince had the corner on the market, that it was either him or nobody, that's not the case anymore. Wrestling fans have shown us that they like. A lot more than just that. They're into nostalgia. They're into independent wrestling. They're into major league wrestling. And so it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. It really is. It is a big deal. Uh, One of the things I want to talk about as we're covering this here is there is a famous segment that aired on this very same day on the Connie Chung program on CBS. It was a 12 minute segment on pro wrestling. And, you know, they focused on. I mean, one fan even said something like it's like a soap opera without sex, but, (laughs) but they covered this and they even showed like Eligante being measured for the silly outfit. He's going to be wearing here a little later, but just a a real behind the scenes. Look at the NWA. That was not really common at the time. Was there any sort of concern to giving Connie Chung and CBS all this access? Uh, No, there was not because we were looking at that time before that mainstream media. So we felt that we got it. You know, it didn't come across, come off anything like the John Stossel thing did years prior to that, uh, when um, Dr. D. David Schultz slapped him in the ear. Uh, but uh, we, we, again, were opening our doors. Hey, if CBS wants to do something, why not? Right? No doubt. We're going to actually, uh, sorry for that noise you heard there. I was trying to load this link so I could make sure I, I tweeted out. I'm going to have this uh, link for this Connie Chung segment loaded up on both Twitter and Facebook. So go check them out uh, at WHW Monday on Twitter or 
facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. What's cool about this too, is they interview a fan and he's sort of talking about his love of wrestling. And mm-hmm. I don't even know that you know this. Do you know who the fan was with it, Who was watching at his house in uh, the Northeast with his son? I do not. Todd Gordon, the creator of the uh, ECW. Wow. What a small world it is, huh? Yeah, it is. Pro wrestling is. You're not kidding. Oh. All right. Meanwhile, in the ring, uh, we have been uh, talking and, and talking about some stuff over a, a very good match. And uh, uh, again, every every time that Bobby Eaton was involved in anything, there you see a loading each boot and super kicking the Z-Man. Rolls him up. We got the finish. One, two, three. Uh, these four guys tore it up. They really did. It was a good match. You could see the response from the fans. Get out of here. Get out of here. Pulls Bobby out. Match is over. There's Tim Smith, the cameraman, with his back to us. They unlock Jim Cornette. And, Conrad, I don't know if you're ready, but we're just about ready for the RoboCop thing. Give everybody the time cue here. Okay. My time cue is 127, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Are you about at that time? 22? Yeah. yeah. Showing the replay. Uh, there's a kick after he loaded his foot right in the shoulder of Z-Man. Did a good job of selling it. And Bobby just rolls it right through. And they executed this finish quite well. Then a sprint there you see down in the corner. And now, as you can see, the new United States Tag Team Champions. And we are looking now at the cage. Why are we looking at the cage? Could this be where they're going to throw Sting in? But first, let's talk about our next shitty pay-per-view, the Great American Bash, July 7th, Baltimore Arena, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Call your local cable company for availability. We promise you will be disappointed. We always did, it seems, the Great American Oh, wait a minute. Uh-uh. Wait a minute. We got some guys coming out. They're going, and wait. Do I see? Is that is that Peter Webb? Uh, uh, Robocop's, Robocop's trying to butt fuck me. It is Peter Weller. Look at that foot. Holy shit. We're out of time. Let's go back to the ring. Wow. That was, that was pretty dramatic. Don't you think? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know what to make of this, man. I mean, this is your first yeah. pay-per-view back. Here comes Sting. Yeah, How would you describe what Sting's wearing? Because he's got, I, I don't know, these weird hot tops, what looks like some Zubaz of some yeah. sort, but he's got wrist tape on. And I need you to describe the shirt. How would you describe Sting's shirt? This would be a uh, a tank top for a fat guy from Gold's Gym that was just hanging down on him. Or, uh, or as we say, a tattooed wife beater, right? Gold's Gym, that's what it is. And and Sting ran main event fitness, so figure that one out. And now we this is how this is how clusterfuck we were. Uh, wait a minute, are we looking for RoboCop? Is RoboCop here? Wait a minute, they got Sting. We better go over and get Sting. There's RoboCop. But wait, oh, Sting has been thrown into the cage. He's been thrown into the shark cage, and Lurch has him by the neck, and Sting's reaching back. And look, to serve and protect. As a matter of fact, I know for sure this is faster than Doug Dellinger ever got to an arrest. <laughs> that is for sure. And now RoboCop is going to 
look quickly now. The Oh, those bars are already bent. But he's going to, oh, look how strong that motherfucker is. And, and, the, and the thing just came right unlocked, <laughs> but then he still pulls it off the hinges. Yes, sir. I got to tell you, I know you hated all this, but as a kid, man, I thought this was awesome. But if you saw right there, Robocop's, Robocop's left leg popped off and he had to push it back on, <laughs> on the thigh, which is awesome. Well, you know, that's the thigh. Isn't that where he usually kept his gun in the movies? Uh, yeah, but I, I was probably on the right, not the left. Well, maybe he was maybe he was pulling for his uh, pulling for his piece there. I don't know who who was playing the RoboCop character here. It who, was a it was a Hollywood stunt man. Look, he's holding that left leg in place. Yeah. See, go. Sting saying, "Is your left leg okay? You sure you're not Peter Weller? You sure? Are we done? Well, what a shitty angle. You know what? You you, you know you, the way you, he's walking you, you, right now, holding that left leg. Look, there goes the left leg flapping around. <laughs> The way yeah, he was walking, and he's banging it back in. The way he was walking, though, that's the way I walk when I got to take a shit. <laughs> like I didn't realize it until I just did it, but that's my oh, I got a shit. I, I'm robocopping. That's our new shirt. <laughs> the next time you're you're like touching cotton, as Cassio says, or you're prairie dogging, as uh, Tony Shivani says, your new version of that for WHW is, hey man, I was robocopping. And we'll know what that means. Yes, we will. All right. Thank you very much. Let's bring in Junkyard Dog. I want to do him. I want to do JYD. Go ahead. Okay. JYD, it's good to see you back. You look like you put on a few pounds, so that's okay. Wait till you see me in 27 years. I'm going to be a fat ass, too. Go ahead. I just really wanted to bark. You know, let me tell you something, Tony Schiavone. I've been around here looking for Michael Hayes all over. That motherfucker blinded me about five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. And we had him hanging from the rafters. And I came in thinking Bill Watts was coming in. Turns out it's goddamn Ole Anderson. You know what that means? It means I'm going to get to beat Flair by headbutts, but I'm never going to be the champion. Now, if goddamn Watts was here, I'd be champion. You hear me? He knows what to do with a dog. He'll throw a dog a bone. Man, we had him hanging from the fucking rafters at the dome. That's all they got to do. Get Michael P.S. Hayes ass out of here. Make him moonwalk around. And we'll well, out. I can't get him out of here, you dumb son of a bitch. But I can tell you that we do have. Wait a minute. Who the fuck is coming? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Speaking of, they used to call him junk, you junk food dog. Well, Cornette said a lot of junk food in his life. Let me tell you some junkyard dog. Bill Watts ain't coming. Okay? They're going to program you with Flair. In about two months, Flair's going to want to kill himself to try to uh, have him try to put you over everywhere he goes. He's still going to win the title. If I was in the booking committee, I wouldn't let that happen. But I'm going to end up going to the WWF, and I'm going to be in the booking committee where me and Kevin Dunn and Vince Russo are going to fucking hate each other. So what do you got to say about that? What do you got to say about that, junkyard dog? (laughs) I told I told you what I need. I need you to come to Starcast and do your podcast. I ain't coming to Starcast. All those goddamn Bullet Club fans. I ain't going. I'm yeah. I'm get your ass out of here because I'm gonna hit you. Oh yeah. I got the racket now. Stick it up your Louisville, Kentucky ass. What I'll do. All right. And not only will I stick it up the Louisville, Kentucky ass, let me tell you something, boy, the painted face. I will take this racket and I will stick it up your ass as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's no big deal. No big deal. You're cool. We're cool. <sighs> yeah. Now let's go to yet another shitty match here on Capital Combat. Hey, so here's my favorite thing about that promo. By the way, we did talk over a pretty decent little angle here. 
because oh, by, this is the best part of the show. You have got to look at this fucking thing. So the Rock and Roll Express are riding a platform with a Woolitzer jukebox. And as soon as they get to the guardrail, it starts to turn. And Ricky realizes, oh, fuck, we're going to crash. And he's hanging on and nearly falls off. They just can't go straight. It was a challenge to just go straight. And eventually they're like, fuck this. Let's get off. I, I mean, how hard is it to go fucking straight? We're on pay-per-view and we can't make sure the guy can go, go straight. And Gary Michael Cavetta is like. I wish Vince would return my calls. <laughs> and I'm like, please call me back. Have Emily call me back. Uh, you know, uh, also a little uh, side note about this match. It, it This is because we were so disorganized and things were so chaotic. There was a little disorganization about the explanation of this match. Jim Ross even says during the commentary here, I thought in this corporal punishment match that the guys would have the uh, leather straps on their wrists, but they ended up putting the leather straps on the ring post and Jr. didn't know that none of us knew that they changed it. I don't know how they changed it or when they changed it. And that completely, uh, took us by surprise. D- describe Michael PS Hayes's dancing routine here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I don't know. It's if you hire a guy to come and dance for at your house for 15 bucks, wait, wait, wait. You hired guys to come dance no, at your house? No, 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 no. If you would, he'd probably be one of the guys that that would probably show up. And Wait, da- hang on. How do you I know never, that's a what? thing or what it costs? What, is there something you need to tell us right now? No, there's nothing I need to tell you right now. Uh, that's, a, that's a very bad uh, Chippendale dance is what that is. Hey, I don't know it's that just, you saw, but um, they announced hmm. that Ray Mysterio Jr. was going to be wrestling an all-in and I know if you had to describe Ray Mysterio in a couple of words, you could probably do that. Yeah. Very handsome young man. There you go. What do you, why, why did you throw Ray Mysterio into me talking about Michael Hayes dancing? Why would you, what's the correlation there? I was just trying to make conversation. Oh, uh, right. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, um, the leather straps around the ring posts, I can't say that I've seen this before. I'm used to like the Indian strap match, the old Wahoo McDaniels style strap match. And instead we're doing this silly shit. Uh, is this a, is this an Ole Anderson difference here? Yeah. That's why that it's only changed it around when he came in. And of course, no one told anybody as far as the announcers are concerned, you should tell your announcers, you know, we're going to do it a little bit differently. So, you know, exactly. You don't look stupid. Yeah, I mean, he's even saying this right now. I thought they were attached around the wrist. That way they could use them anytime. But, right. You know, yeah. by the way, Michael P.S. Hayes here doing the moonwalk. <laughs> I know that, you know, the moonwalk is not cool in 2018. But when Michael P.S. Hayes was doing it, it was at least still pretty cool. Was it? I mean, as he, a kid, I thought it was huh? cool that he could do it. Like I was well, convinced he, that my dad couldn't do it. And my dad, uh, here's a little thing for you. Larry mm. Thompson, my entire life when I was a kid, would strut around the kitchen like he was Michael Hayes. The little prance and the moonwalk, my dad would do that. He thought it was fucking hysterical. Are you serious? Yeah, and he's a big barrel chested dude like Michael Hayes. Oh. And uh the idea that, you know, he danced around the kitchen like that and I didn't put together that it was Michael Hayes until I saw it here was maybe my favorite thing ever. Wow. Can't wait to see your dad again. Because he's going to moonwalk for me. 
Oh, he's he can fucking do it, especially when he gets those uh, coarse lights going. <laughs> and turn on some Eagles heartache tonight. Get out of the way. Here comes some men walking. Hey, am I wrong here? And I, they don't have a close up right now. But did Michael has Hayes have eyeliner on here? No, he definitely does. That was his gimmick here in this era of the Freebirds. It's a shame that you know this is the only WCW action figure he had. I know he had that crappy uh, AWA one, but he had this version with Jimmy Jam Garvin. And this is not nearly the, the free birds that it was when it was Terry Gordy and buddy Roberts. But I always thought Jimmy Garvin, maybe not this era, Jimmy Garvin, but a few years prior to that world-class Jimmy Garvin, I really enjoyed his stuff, but I didn't know oh. for whatever reason, this, this version of the free birds is like a little disappointing. I wish we had the old school version with uh, the rock and roll express. I wish we did too. And I wish Jimmy Garvin was gorgeous. Jimmy Garvin with precious. Uh, that's, that's what I wish. Uh, you know, uh, as far as, uh, there was a Michael, this was a Michael Hayes, uh, figure, uh, action figure back then. It looked like this. Oh yeah. Like, well, I mean, it was different tights, but yeah, he looked right. just like this. Well, he had the, okay. the silly eyeliner and, um, the long pants like this. And yeah. Yeah. They could make a, a action figure for Michael Hayes today. It, uh, it would sell like crazy if they did one of those loud suits where everything was coordinated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's got the sleeves that are a little too long and the matching right. fedora and the matching shoes. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, the fanny I pack. In right. my head, he just goes to like Steve Harvey and Dio Hughley and says, give me your hand-me-downs. Right. It could be, it also could, uh, could double as a Mr. Potato butt. Uh, just... Uh, an idea there, Mr. Potato butt. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, you know, I know I've gained some weight, but Michael's been sucking on air hose for a number of years. Uh, and here's corporal punishment. They can grab those at any time and use them. It seems awfully odd that they could just grab them at any time and use them. Why don't they just hang on to them the rest of the match? Isn't that kind of weird? Kind of a, a fucked up, uh, type, uh, rule here. When you think. I love mm-hmm. it. I uh I gotta say, man, this era of WCW is loaded with talent, but it just doesn't feel like yeah. you know everybody's being used to their potential. Is that the reason why it just doesn't seem good? I mean, you see, you say, I gotta say here, it's loaded with talent, but still the shows do not seem good. They're not. So what's the rub here? Is it booking? Is it misuse of talent? Is it because Turner Broadcasting is just a complete clusterfuck of a of a company? What is it? What's the answer here? I don't know. Just maybe, maybe this, maybe for pure wrestling fans, this type of wrestling, okay, this type of wrestling is great. But for mainstream wrestling fans, this is past its time. The Southern stuff. I mean, the Rock and Roll Express at this time, we're talking about what? Four years removed from where they were the hottest thing in in uh, in Jim Crockett promotions, where they were selling out with the Midnight Express everywhere. Maybe maybe it's, this has gone past the prime of that. Maybe the shelf life of this stuff wasn't as good as we thought it would be. I guess we should mention here, uh, people were, were pretty fired up about this show because of rebel cop and because there wasn't a title change in the main event as a kid, I liked RoboCop. as an adult. I see it's fucking stupid, 
Well, you know what? Uh, there were adults. Fans, you want to? Have, I don't know if you noticed since we were kind of making fun of it as we always do. There were there were people that when Robocop pulled apart the bars and pulled off the door, there were adults that popped that cheered it. Okay, so yeah, maybe in hindsight, after I see it again, maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought it was when I because it's the first time I've seen this thing until since uh, or I watched it earlier this week, but it was the first time I had seen it since 1990 when it happened. I wanted to put it behind me, you know. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about the actual matches that we've seen so far and what Wade said about them. Match one with the Road Warriors and Norman uh, taking on Kevin Sullivan, Cactus Jack, and Bam Bam. He says the roadies were relegated to an opener because of the departure. Cactus's bumps were great, and the card went down from there. Stupid <laughs> move. Roadies get to pin Sullivan as they depart star and a half what do you think about that you know knowing they're leaving was there did it not matter or what's your think what's your thinking uh i don't think it mattered and and i um my thinking is i don't know if the card went down from there or not i thought midnight and, and uh, flying brian and the z-man had a pretty good match oh Since yeah for sure no doubt no doubt. did he say the card went down from there or the match went down from no, there? i think he just means i think he meant the match okay um Match two, Mark Callis pinned Johnny Ace in a long, boring 15-minute bout. I would agree. Callis did not impress. Stupid move. Trying to get Callis over as a giant by matching him against the deceptively tall 6'5 Ace. Dud. Dud rating. Pretty pretty harsh. Yeah. Try to get the big guy over. Just give him a good gimmick and he'll get over. Match three, Paul Ellering pinned Teddy Long in a mercifully short non-bout. Ellering hit long with long's own loaded glove, stupid move, promising head shaving while long simply got his hair trimmed, right? Negative two and a half stars. I would agree with that. Absolutely. And again, as Lois said, why are we cutting the hair of two bald guys? I like that. You make Lois watch these with you, man. These guys are wearing each other out with these straps. (laughs) Robert Gibson gives no fucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And you just wonder if, the, if there, if there's, you get, you got to think if I'm going into a match with a guy who's going to wield a strap against me, I got to scratch my head and get, think, do I have any heat with that guy in the past? That's going to come out here in the midst of all this, that he's going to do a little receipt on me in the middle of the match. Could be, don't know. I'm not saying there were problems with the rock and roll express and the Freebirds way back when, but if there were, this will get a chance to say, "Oh, I was just working those. I was just working those straps. Sorry, did I hit too hard?" <laughs> um, let's talk about what's next here. Um, match four: the SST pin Tommy Rich and Mike Rotunda. The match was fine, but there was no heat. Stupid move, putting this match on a major show, star in three quarters. And then Wade would write: Sting came to ringside with RoboCop for some unknown reason. The horseman attacked Sting and locked him in a ringside cage meant for Jim Cornette. Ribblecop approached the ring as three proverbial turtles passed by him at twice the speed. When (laughs) Robocop got to the cage, he grabbed two obviously rubber-like bars and bent them. Then he pulled the hingeless door off the cage, impressing the horseman so much they fled to the locker room. Ribblecop was not seen again. Stupid move angering those who purchased this show for 10 seconds of RoboCop. Do you feel like that was a little bait and switch that maybe they should have done more with RoboCop? Yeah. You know what? They probably should have. When you think about it was part of the title, right? The return of RoboCop. Yeah. 
But then Ole was handed this, and Ole says, we got to do something. This, this is the best thing I can think of right now. The and if and look, if his if if his leg popped off on that little walk in, what would have happened if he wanted gone in the ring? He couldn't have gone in the ring with that with that. There was no way that that with that suit that that stunt man could have gone in the ring with that. It was just it was it was again it was again something that Vince McMahon would never do. He may do it now. But back then, he would have never done it. Keller would write, Junkyard Dog was introduced as returning to the NWA and did an interview interrupted by Jim Cornette. Corny asked where JYD has been, and JYD insinuated he was at Corny's mother's house. Stupid yeah. move. JYD's return. Match five here. He's going to write the Midnight Express to feed Tom Zink and Brian Pillman when Eaton pins Zink. Eaton looked terrible. Lane was lazy and just did kicks. Zing was his usual. Zink was his usual low risk self, and Pillman missed a few moves. The match had its high spots, but this would have been should have been great, and it was far from it. Two stars. I think yeah. Wayne Keller here is being a little too fucking critical. Yeah, I do too. And I hate for anybody. I hate for any writer to use the word lazy. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't get that. What makes you think he was lazy? I don't, know, it's just, I, I don't know. The match we're in now, the Rock and Roll yeah. Express defeated the Freebirds when Morton flew off the top rope with the sunset flip on Hayes for the win. The country whipping match was supposed to be a brutal match between two teams that despised each other. Instead, they went through the motions and used the whips sparingly. Stupid move, not attaching the whips to the wrestlers and putting them in the corner for the wrestlers to use when they wanted. Even Cottle and Ross questioned the logic. Two stars. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, and, and I, I have hardly ever read, read anything of Keller's stuff. Uh, did he always come up with a stupid move? No, it was something he was trying here. Okay, something he was okay. Um, let, let me run through some other news that, that's pretty popular here. Uh, Joe Petticino's number was reported last Monday uh, to uh, say that the Capital Combat Show of Washington, D.C. was interested in purchasing the NWA. So, Combat was um and i i'm not exactly sure where he's going with this mm. uh comsat rather comsat yeah. cable not combat okay uh comsat had part ownership of the denver nuggets and allegedly they were reaching out maybe about trying to buy their own wrestling territory of course it never happened but here in 90 that feels super far-fetched did you ever hear about a cable company trying to buy you guys out no not at all not at all. It's uh it's an interesting deal because apparently Vince McMahon gets wind of this and tries to reach out and purchase the NWA uh, from Ted Turner. And allegedly Turner responds and says, no, it's not for sale, but how much would it take for me to buy you? Did you ever hear that story? Yes, I did. Yeah. How fun is that? Yeah, that's fun. And that really pissed Vince off too. I'm sure it did. Oh, big time. And that was just, you know, two guys getting the measuring stick out. Of course, everybody in the NWA is denying that there is any interest to sell, which obviously there was not. He reports here as well that you did not want to be on camera upon your return to the NWA, at least not full time, but that the departure of Cruz and Funk sort of forced you into that position. You wanted to do more producing and right. work on the syndicated shows. 
And he was very complimentary saying that the improvements after your arrival were great running down wrestlers appearing on the show, uh, pictorially, and then using the wrestling wrap up segment. But he says the announcing with you and only sort of paled in comparison. Um, just because you guys weren't really cohesive. What what do you think of, of working with Oli? And is that accurate? You didn't really want to be on camera as much. No, I didn't. I, I, it was always my intention, uh, down the road to, to just do producing. Uh, but I do know that, you know, announcers made better money than producers made normally. So I never did want to be completely done with announcing. Uh, so yeah, he's right. I, I, uh, I didn't really care about being back on and, if I was, I wasn't going to turn it down. And as far as working with Oli was concerned, Oli was difficult to work with uh, as far as announcers are concerned. He wasn't a color guy. Right. He wasn't an analyst. He was a character. Jesse, the body Ventura was a character. Bobby, the brain Heena was a character, but they were also very good at putting guys over. And I don't, I'm not so sure Oli was that good at doing that. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, Stan Hansen, because it's reported here that Hansen is going to be coming in. And of course we're going to see him this summer. Um, and, and they're guessing and they're correct that he's probably going to be working with Luger for the U S title. But right. the big news that I saw in this entire issue was that Tommy young, one of the most prominent referees of all time had officially retired, uh, thanks to the back problems. What do you right. remember about hearing that Tommy young, a guy that you sort of grew up on is now done. Yeah, it broke my heart. And Tommy would show up at, at center stage and would show up and, and come back and talk with us, hoping that he could get back into working. Uh, but the doctor said he couldn't do it, and he couldn't do it. And uh, that was that was really bad. It was really bad. It was, uh, it was kind of a freak thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I don't know where it is, but uh, someone just uh, missed a move or something, and Tommy hit the ropes head first, and his neck snapped back, and that was it. His career was over. Doctor said he shouldn't do it again or couldn't do it again. It's a crazy finish, man. I guess we should mention, um, in the torch about a week after this, six days later, uh, Ric Flair was pinned by the junkyard dog in St. Louis on a Friday night match after a headbutt. Of course it was non-title, but JYD is being pushed as a main eventer here and the horsemen are going to find reasons to be working with him. And this of course is setting up. JYD to take on Ric Flair at the June 13th clash of the champions. what do you think about inserting JYD into the main event picture like this? Well, JYD has certainly had plenty of exposure. Let's face it. Junkyard dog was a major star for bill Watts, but he also was on Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. Wasn't he Yep. back in the day? So he was a big star in the WWE or in the WWF back then. So it was understandable but also, uh, it was it was tough to have him work against Ric Flair because Flair, obviously, Flair is one of the great workers ever, and JYD just was not that good of a worker. He was a great character, great rap, fans bought into his shit, but he wasn't a great overall worker. And so it made Flair, and I've talked about this before, very, very miserable. There was also a thought that, and I don't know this for sure, but there was also a thought backstage, and maybe Flair thought this, I don't know, that because of his run with Bill Watts and the great money he made with Bill Watts, that also JR was pushing for him to be in the main event 
because JR was there at that time when JYD was a big star. And whether uh, whether uh, JR had that big of influence uh, with uh, Heard, a lot of people say he did. I know Eddie Gilbert said that. Uh, I don't know, remains to be seen. I never did know that for a fact, but that was some of the talk at that time. Let's catch up on the other news. Uh, it comes out that Kendall Wyndham and Black Jack Mulligan had yeah. been sentenced to 27 and 24 months of prison, uh, stemming from charges of selling counterfeit bills late last year. This is a story that had to shake up the NWA. Is it true? Did you ever hear the story that the way they got called was trying to buy a car with 20s? I didn't know that. I didn't hear that. <laughs> that, was, that was the story going around backstage. So, well, they tried to buy a car with a bag of 20s. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> Maybe that would be a red flag. Whether that was a story or not, I don't know. That's amazing. <laughs> it's also in the news around this time that Paul Orndorff and Big Van Vader were coming to the NWA. Of course, at the time, nobody really probably knew what they had with Big Van Vader, but Paul Orndorff coming in in 90 after his years on top in the WWF feels like a major thing, does it not? Well, yeah. And as we know, Paul Orndorff went on to be a very valuable person in the company. It's, it's kind of uh, fun they come in together, though, knowing what we're going to see happen at center stage exactly, later. Exactly, at center stage, that I would see happen right at my feet. All right, now we want to bring in a young man who I know is one of the great power lifters, wrestling continental wrestling, uh, and let's bring in Doug Furness. Doug, I want to ask you about Lex Luger, since I have nothing to talk to you about. Uh, uh, can you tell us him? Well, I do understand Lex has been sick, Mr. Shivani, but it's good to be here on this program to be with you. And I look to be uh, one of Sting's dynamic dudes coming up. Thank you very much. Uh, it's good to be with you. And uh, I hope to be a part of WCW for a long, long time. And uh, as far as Lex Luger is concerned, uh, if he ever needs my help, I'll be there for him. Thanks, Doug. I'm certainly you'll be, I'm sure you'll be a big star in Japan one day. Uh, and there goes Doug Furness. And now let's bring in Sting. Sting, would you please come in here? <laughs> I'm still looking for him. Would someone cue Sting? Whoa, Sting, what the fuck? What's going on in the back? How come you're not out here when I ask for you? What in the world's going on? Only thing I know, Shivani, take a look at this Gold's Gym shirt I got on and bring the camera in a little bit. Do I look cross-eyed to you? Does this paint black on one side, white on the other, make me look cross-eyed or wall-eyed to you? And did I really need to shave, do you think, to put this paint on? And how long do you think it takes to do my hair? Do you think I use mousse? Or do you think I use gel on my hair? Only thing I got to know is, do you think this paint makes me look cross-eyed, Shivani? And I wonder, I wonder why you think I would have to dress up to this shitty angle. You want to get me in the ring, Hartsman? Let's get in the ring. Tony, one more question. Does it look like there's something in my teeth? Oh. What the fuck? Let's go back to the fucking ring. That might have been better than what actually happened. <laughs> man this is not a good show i can't believe we've got 50 more minutes of this horse shit uh, you know what but not only do we have 50 more minutes of this horse shit conrad we got 50 more minutes wrapped up in two matches two matches that means 25 each uh this one right here though i gotta tell you i, I love me some teddy long strutting that ass to the ring but doom yeah. I, w I wish they still wore the masks. I don't know why I liked them better with masks, but these are two badass motherfuckers right here. Yeah. Lois said, why do they wear those bands around their arms? I said, it accentuates the bicep, sweetie. 
See, she married a guy without biceps, so she has no idea what they're about. No, you're there, and and she's going to find them thanks to DDP Yoga. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna. They're going to be in like one of my away cases or something. Yeah, my my away travel luggage. Oh, there they are down the bottom with the poo poo undies. Yeah, they were uh, look. They were uh, look. Look at man, Ron Simmons was just. Ron Simmons was a bad motherfucker, wasn't he? The baddest of bad motherfuckers. Yeah, though. he was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, I feel I like, like I feel like we should mention that um, we've got a new sponsor this week, and we're going to tell you about them during this uh, match. But right now, I want us to focus on how badass the Steiner brothers were. Out here in their Michigan jackets, which I have, by the way, I have these Michigan jackets. I think I've mentioned that before. And, uh, my man, Dave Milliken actually has the tag belts they're wearing here. So we've actually got in our little circle of friends here, uh, some of that stuff. This is my favorite, uh, version of the Steiner brothers, this era. I know they were a big deal for a long time, but I think their 1990 is probably my favorite year with them ever. This would be uh, a year before they would go on to uh, Japan and wrestle in the uh, Tokyo Egg Dome in one of the great matches that I had seen uh, against uh, uh, Fujinami and Sasaki or two of those guys, whoever they are, I don't know. Dave Meltzer would know who they are. But uh, they could bump. Uh, they The Steiners were uh, the part of the show that you watched closely because you always said, you know what? It's just These real. These guys are... These guys are real. That's it. They're real. They're le- yeah, they're they're real. They're legit. These guys are are amateur wrestlers who don't realize this is <laughs> this is a show. <laughs> so they were great, man. Absolutely great. You know, Super Brawl. I think in '91 is when they did. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think Super Brawl, the very first one from 1990. Right is when we saw the Steiner brothers take on Sting and Lex Luger. And as a kid, man, what a fucking big deal that was. Oh, yeah. Absolutely it was. And here we're going to see, you know, four badass dudes. Of course, there's a pretty famous story that Ric Flair tells about how the Steiners were notorious ribbers. Uh, Of course, you've heard the stories. You know about the shirts available at LoisRules.com. But supposedly, they would really give Butch Reed a hard time. And Butch Reed is, is a big jacked up motherfucker. So you see him and you probably think, uh, I don't see how they did that, but apparently they really harassed him in a major way. And when Rick asked Ron, Ron, they, they all, the Steiners, man, they're always giving Butch all this shit. How come they don't ever fuck with you? And Ron deadpans because yeah. I'm fuck unfuck withable. What a great and line. The- isn't that a great line? Unfuckwithable. Well, you know why? Because he had such a presence about him. Look at the face on him. Oh, he yeah. Had such, I mean, he had such, not, not peanut head there. Uh, he had such a face. Every time I see Ted Long, I want to say, Homie, don't play that. <laughs> Homie, don't play that, man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a big deal. This Pippi Longstocking shit he's got going on here. <laughs> Something else. Ron Simmons, man and a half. By the way, Ron Simmons going to be at StarCast. I can already tell I'm going to be shilling this way too much. But I was really surprised to hear uh, one of our um, vendors who's going to have a table that's sort of like a WrestleCon part of the show. 
uh, he's going to have Ron Simmons there, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. That is awesome. I haven't seen Ron in forever. Yeah, well, I am not going to fuck with him there. I mean, no. just based on the fact that the Steiners won't, that's good enough for me. By the Absolutely. way, to shove the referee down to the corner, no DQ, hard shove for Randy Anderson. And man, these guys are going to get it. Yeah. Randy Anderson didn't see that one coming, but he better have sold it. Man, when I mean, th- this is all out. Steiner is, is just full speed here. This era of the Steiner brothers is unbelievable, man. Yeah. Everything that Scott does looks real and the way he sells it and looks for the crowd to react, like everybody's in it. Scott's one of the first guys where everything he did, all these power moves, the crowd would all in unison go, Ooh, like every, every major move. It was unbelievable. The, the, you had it right too. You had pegged it right. The believability. And I love that sequence there. Ron Simmons takes the turnbuckle spot in the chest, bounces right back into a belly to back. And Steiner is egg and playing it up to the crowd. And that's a yeah. big dude to be to be thrown around like that. Ron's probably nearly three hundred pounds and he just tossed him like nothing. Yeah. And almost you can almost see Scott stay, saying as he gets on the ropes there, he looks out of the crowd and screams out of the crowd, You think this shit's fake? Well I'm not, motherfucker. Watch this. I mean, so believable, which is probably yeah. why so many people think I have a death wish for what we've done on this show. Yeah. Again. It's a fucking rib. It's a rib, and we are legitimately guys putting these guys over because they are legitimately one of the greatest stars ever in tag team wrestling. You know, it's weird for me to even have to sell that when I can't wait to tell you, hey, I have the Steiner Brothers jackets, and I really want that Steiner Brothers poster that I can't find. Like, I'm a super Steiner Brothers fan. It's, yeah. We're having fun. I mean, you know, yeah. some people may not think it's funny, including no. Scott, but, uh, you know, fuck, it's funny. It's funny. And again, you know, a lot of people just want to try to stir up shit, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, let's stir up some shit, though, for our mans over at the Yeti. I don't know that we're even in the loop on this. Have we talked about this, that there's a two to five player card game on Kickstarter right now? And um, the name of the game, Cryptocuffs. And there's the cryptoids in the game. But but the real deal is, it's like the Yeti. I mean, that's why we're here talking about it. Uh, Broke Bear Games has spent the last two years ensuing, ensuring rather that their new game, Cryptocuffs, is fun, easy to learn, and has a high replay value. They don't want you to just play it one time. And now this thing's live on Kickstarter, and they need your help. So... It's called Cryptocuffs. It's a two to five player strategy card game where some of your favorite uh, cryptozoological creatures, I'm talking like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Mothman, and go ahead, give it to them, Tony. The Yeti! Battle it out to see who is the top cryptid. So backer rewards for this include the game, expansions, and your likeness drawn into the game. Let me say that again. You can not only get the game and the expansions, you can get your likeness drawn into the game. Find Cryptocuffs on Kickstarter. It's kickstarter.com forward slash profile forward slash broke bear games. Or just go to Kickstarter and search for Cryptocuffs. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-C-U-F-F-S. And you can stay up to date by liking the Broke Bear Games Facebook at facebook.com forward slash broke bear games. This is going to be fun, Tony. And the next time you and Lois come over, I can't wait to kick your ass at this. Really? 
Well, do you think you're a big deal just because you helped name one of the characters? Hit them with it again. The Yeti! But I know that uh, I'm going to get the Iggy here from Logan, one of the guys who put this game together, and I'm going to know exactly how to beat you with the Loch Ness Monster or the Mothman or Bigfoot. But... So wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. You're going to get the Iggy from Logan. In other words, you're going to try to cheat your way to beating me. Is that what you're saying? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying... I, I, I got to be honest. I didn't even know what the fuck a cryptid was. Yeah. But now that I know about cryptocuffs and I know that we can sort of battle it out and I can beat yeah. up the fucking Yete, I'm all in. <laughs> all right. I look forward to that day, Conrad. Well, go check it out. Kickstarter.com forward slash profile forward slash broke bear games. Just search for cryptocuffs. Uh, do what I did, like them on Twitter, follow them on Twitter uh, or Facebook, rather facebook.com forward slash broke bear games. I'm so used to saying Twitter. I'd say Twitter for everything. I, I, I lump it all together. Like I, I feel like I'm getting old. I'm like Tony Schiavone's age. Now I'll be telling someone that's clearly on Facebook and I keep calling it Twitter. I, I'm going to yeah. be Bruce Pritchard before long. And, and I'm going to say like a uh, book face or, or, <laughs> you know, snap twit or something. <laughs> <laughs> you are getting old by the way uh, the chat. i know what's funny yeah. is i got a summer cut last week and yeah. uh, my lady friend was like hey look at all that gray mm. <laughs> i was like man i wish i could tell you what to do but you know just for men ain't advertising this week so fuck them well i'm glad you got a summer cut because a lot of people in alabama have summer teeth you know that know that story you know um i was told that the toothbrush was actually invented in Georgia. Did you know that? <laughs> Had it been anywhere else, they would have called it a teeth brush. <laughs> but over there, one is fine. Excuse us, everyone, but as we exchange Alabama-Georgia jokes here. <laughs> we are from the South, by the way. Hey, you want to hear a Georgia joke? <laughs> no. Go dogs. <laughs> Oh God. Meanwhile, look at this pickup that, uh, you know why, um, baby Jesus couldn't be born in Georgia. <laughs> no, couldn't why? find three wise men or a virgin. <laughs> hey, why did Forrest Gump go to Alabama instead of Georgia? <laughs> why academics? Oh, <laughs> uh, but what the what the Georgia Bulldog uh, um, captain of the football team get on his SAT? What drool? <laughs> why am I why am I laughing at this shit? What's the definition of safe sex over there in Georgia? What putting signs on the animals that kick? <laughs> How do you castrate a bulldog fan? Uh. <clears throat> I don't know. Kick his sister in the mouth. <laughs> Why do all the trees in Florida <laughs> lean north? Why? Because Georgia sucks. <laughs> How can a girl from Alabama tell when her sister's on a period? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, it's, it's too bad. I'm not going to tell it. You gotta. Come on. Have you heard what we've said on this show? Let's go. This is your friend, Old Commentary Ninja. Sorry to interrupt, but keep a reversion of Capital Combat rolling. We interrupt, though, 
to tell you that we cannot let this punchline of the joke exist as it is in this form. Tony wants to keep his job and his marriage. Now back to our show. Okay. Oh my God. Roll the credits. You did it. You you did it. I didn't think you could do it. You did it. I'm going to pull it out and post. Oh. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to have to. I don't know what you marked the time. Holy shit. God damn. I can't believe you did that one. That's probably fine over there in Georgia. Hey, I guess we should remind you, we're talking over a couple of badass dudes here. Rick Steiner giving Butch Reed the business here in the corner. Hey, you know, Scott's always been known as sort of the more versatile or volatile versatile. I've been up too late. Those uh, two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I feel like we should just take a break here. Remind everybody our taping schedule for this show is beyond fucked. Now that baseball season's back on like, yeah, it's late at night. It's it really yeah. is. So yeah. this is late at night on mother's day. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was our first pool weekend here at the Conradison. So I'm burnt and sleepy huh. and there may or may not have been beer consumed yesterday in excess. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I had to go appease mom and play it off. Like I wasn't hung over. It's been quite a day here at the Conradison and, uh, we're taping it in the wee hours. So this is fresh right off of, uh, right off the press. Rick Steiner though, to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's probably the more badass of the two. Like I know that Rick is the more, I mean, Scott's the bigger one and Scott has, you know, more of a crazy man rep, but fucking Rick Steiner feels like a dude that would just could rip you in half. Rick Flair always said that Scott Steiner was his hero. Because he thought Scott Steiner backstage was the baddest man ever. And it goes, it just goes back to the thing that, you know, the, uh, the former amateur wrestlers were legitimately badasses. What's funny is, uh, Scott Steiner fucking hates Ric Flair. I don't, really? know, I don't know why, but he hates Ric Flair. Well, that's a shame. You shouldn't hate anybody anymore. I think, you know, the rumor innuendo is that Scott hates everybody. I mean, he, he hates you and the other guy. <laughs> well, that comes honestly, I guess. I mean, really though, if we're honest, if anybody was going to hate us on this show, he should be on the list. Really? Can, can I tell you something? Yeah. Let me give you a little spoiler here. Y- yeah. No, go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to try to convince Francine to come to Starcast. No. Well, she's, she's already going to, uh, wrestle Cade in November. And she was all excited in my DMS that you might be there. She's like, and mm. you're doing a show. And I was like, mm, wrong show. I'm doing it with Bruce. And, mm. and she's like, why isn't Tony coming? Mm. And then she said, oh, I, I forgot. He's probably got baseball. I was like, no, that's November. He's got football, mm. which is why. You know, you can't be there on Saturday at Starcast because you got football, but I'm going to try to get Francine there just as a surprise. So we need to make sure that Lois is, you know, doing something else. Oh, that's easy. I'll just tell her to stay home, but stay with the dogs. Yeah. Clean up the fucking dog hair for the first time this year. Do you, and think, now- do you think if she cleaned up the dog hair, the belt will just appear? It might. That's actually been one of my concerns that if I could just go look in the corners of your house, like the dining right. room. Which yeah. I've never been invited to your house, by the way, but in my, in my head, that dining room is not used that often. Right. And in the corner, it's probably dust bunnies, 
you know, the size of Matt Shivani and we can yeah. just comb it to the side and down at the bottom, we might find the belt. And I hope for your sake, that's the case because I'd hate for Jay-Z flair to have to do some dirty cop work and kill a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so would I. And Hey, I'm, I'm all for that. I'd like for it to finally clean up the house for the first time since who knows when, who knows, we may have a six kid and not know it. And he'd be stuck well, in the corner. Now, see, here's the deal on that though. In order to make a kid, well, I'll tell you yeah, about it later, I, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's something you gotta worry. Now, if you get her ass on DDP yoga, who knows? And you're on DDP yoga, who knows? All of a sudden, yeah, roll tide, roll tide. Absolutely. Look at this. Look at this move here for 1990. Yeah. A little slingshot into the bottom rope. That was a cool move. When I was a kid, I thought that was badass. Yes, it was. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, we've, we've made a lot of silly ass jokes during this match. Uh, probably not giving the match it's due, but I don't know what Keller thought of this match, but I think it's it's pretty hard hitting, pretty high impact for a world tag team title match. No doubt about it. I'll pull that up, you know, in just a moment and give you the review. But I will tell you uh, that he liked both this match and the main event much better than everything else. Uh, he's going to give them two and three quarter stars if memory serves, but I'll fire it up just in case and jog All our right. memory. All right. I, uh, I, I know that a lot of people myself included sort of lean towards any match with Ric Flair as being a really good match, but this one is better to me. Um, you know, we're going to get a cleaner finish. We're not going to get sort of a schmoz finish. We are going to get a title change, but, and I was a Steiner brothers fan, but I just, I enjoyed this one better. Yeah. I liked it a lot too. I thought this was, I think we're in agreement. It was the best match on the card. And, uh, it's because it, uh, again, not saying anything bad about, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, but because the Steiners were just all that back then. Man, man. they really are. I, I just can't heap enough praise on them. Um, go out of your way to watch anything Steiners 1990. I mean, to me, it's the it's their best year. I mean, you could lump in 91 too, I guess, but 90 is my favorite. Here's what Keller wrote. Doom pinned Rick and Scott Steiner to capture the NWA World Tag Team titles. The actually match was very good, as expected. Doom looked very strong. It was the usual double team, uh, double teaming finish for the heel victory, uh, two and three quarter stars. So n- no, like stupid move comment that we had been seeing. Yeah. Cause there really wasn't anything to shit on. Let me go ahead and tell you what he said about the main event. Cause I'm sure I'll forget later. Lex Luger right. via DQ beat Ric Flair in a farcical cage match. Luger's legit staff infection was acknowledged. Luger approached the ring looking very grumpy and unenthusiastic. Flair worked okay, but there was little chemistry in the match. Luger did not sell a lot of Flair's moves. Luger aggravated his injury, injured knee after a superplex, which Flair capitalized on. It was the old Halloween Havoc cage, so they brawled at ringside a lot too. Stupid, meaningless move. Woman being in the cage. The horseman came to ringside at the end of the match. Ole got to the controls of the cage and raised its two feet, so Wyndham and Anderson slid under the cage and attacked Luger, causing the DQ. Sting made the save as Elegante guarded uh, the cage. Luger then left the scene without hoopla as Flair with Wyndham by his side did a wild out interview, which was the highlight of the show. Two and three quarter stars. This promo that Flair does at the end is probably one of his most memorable promos from the era. Don't you agree? Oh, I agree. It was Flair and all his glory, man. Not only that, uh, and we'll see it here in a few moments. Uh, as we're getting ready to get into the finish of this match here, uh, Flair was uh, 
Flair even wiped blood all over me. On purpose, I might add. Son bitch. But it was one of his more iconic interviews because he was just dripping with blood. People were ripping this show to shreds in the torch. Every individual writer just tore it up. Here's what Wade Keller wrote, though. This show was a real downer for me. The main event was doomed from the start when Luger looked like he would rather be delivering pizza than participating in what was to come. In one fell swoop, they ruined the aura of a cage match by proving that they will be creative enough to come up with a screw job ending, no matter what the stipulations are going in. Instead of ruining the cage gimmick, how about having Wyndham hiding under the ring the entire night? Luger was far from the focus of this match, though Luger Wyndham will probably be a hot feud. I think Doom has a chance to be a respectable champion, although there is little competition. Carl and Ross each seem to fight each other for the lead spot as neither is the color man dangerously should have sat next to either Carl or Ross. They have little oh. respect for the fans who paid to see RoboCop. I agree that it should have been hyped like it was, but when you do a built, when you do build a show around a character, it's only fair to include him more. It was good to see Doug Furness introduced again. Teddy long looked better after the haircut and the show that had the atmosphere of an episode of WCW but well below a clash or a pay-per-view bottom line. I should not have to pay 1495 to see an angle. I pay money to see a show sponsored by promoters with enough guts to provide a clean, satisfying finish. 1.5 is his rating. Of course, this is out of 10 and, uh, this is yeah, not pretty, good. No, that's pretty low. Uh, I agree with you. Shouldn't have to pay money to see an angle. That I agree with 100%. Uh, it's pretty apparent that uh, that Wade, that's the second time he says Paul Lee should have been in there. So, I mean, we know who was calling Wade. Uh, that's just the fact of the dirt sheets. Uh, but, you know, um, and I want to talk about a little what, Hold a minute. Here's JR. Uh, and he's having to uh, waste some time. Uh, so doom will get her sassafras. I'm up here fucking stalling for time. Cause we don't have a producer in the truck. Goddamn. Where's Kevin done when you need him? Nope. We got that some bitch Craig leathers. He must've got the memo world classes out of business. Just like the UWF here's over to Tony. All right. Thank you very much. JR. And I have to say that my makeup has kind of stayed on my face. What do you say, Teddy, Tony Shivani, let me take that microphone from your white hand and tell you one thing. You know, as always, I'd like to open up by saying this. Homie, don't play that, but we're going to play that tonight because we are the world tag team champions, and I'm the only one standing here that's ever going to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, man. We the, All right, let's talk to Hacksaw Butch Reed. Let me tell you something. Steiner Brothers, you have fucked around with me long enough in the backstage area. That's right. I'm not taking that shit anymore because I'm a half of the world tag team champions. Go ahead. Fuck around with me all you want, but take a look at what's around our waist. We are the world tag team champions, and I will never, and let me say this again, will never eat at Shoney's in my life, and I'll never go back to school. I'll never go to Cherokee County School. I'm from Warner Robins, Georgia. We're smarter in Warner Robins, Georgia, than we are in Woodstock, Georgia. And that's the way it is. And we're going to have a great party tonight. And you know you can't fuck with me because we're the world tag team champs. And one day these belts, let me say this, are going to be a part of StarCast in Chicago, Tony Schiavone. And the party is on. And let's go. 
Have a good time. All right, there they are, the World Tag Team Champions. And you can see those belts in person. You know when, you know where. Yeah, it's Starcast. Hey, uh, uh, you know, I do want to say something about this match. This match, and it's all coming back to me now. Okay? This match was originally booked for Luger to go over. And then Sting refused, or Flair refused, wanting to do it for Sting instead. Is that what you heard? I mean, I'm just guessing. No, Ole didn't want to switch it to Luger. But how are we going to do it in a cage without and have the horsemen be involved? We're going to raise up the cage, right? And Barry Windham's going to slide under, right? And how are we going to how are we going to explain that the cage has been raised up? How do we explain it? Jim Ross said Ole Anderson has commandeered the cage. Yeah, he does. And he that, does a good job of that. He does. He does a great job of that. But in the in the context of trying to be real and trying to be logical, how did he know that? I just thought that was so silly to me uh, that they that was the rationale that Ole and whomever gave to gave us to try to explain the cage going up. Look at this that, entrance set here. This is a big deal for you guys to go to this. I mean, I don't know what how you describe the entrance set, but big pyro and flair in this fucking robe that just evades me. It's the famous black and white silver butterfly robe of Ric Flair. If you know where this fucking thing is, hit me on Twitter. Hey, hey, it's Conrad. I am a buyer. This is my that's my holy grail of wrestling collectibles right there, Tony. Look at that thing. Wow. It's spectacular. And so, so is she. And, uh, I don't know, maybe the, uh, maybe the band director of at Pope high school has the robe as well. Well, wouldn't that be, this. wouldn't that be funny? Huh? If he does, I'll, I'll let him live. <laughs> Look at this pyro, man. You guys are going yeah. all in on the pyro big entrance for Luger. Another big set of pyro here for flair. And it's sort of fun to to think about. They did a big pyro treatment for the fabulous Freebirds, where they were throwing fire and they got the sparklers, the whole deal. Flair here, I think, is is looking about as good as he ever looked in this robe. He's got his hair like he likes it, just the classic Flair look here. You know, a couple of years later from this, his hair would be uh, not like this. And I think this is the version of Flair that everybody sort of grew up on with the full mane. Yeah. Luger. And this is the the shitty, what cage is this again? The Halloween Havoc cage? Yeah, the, you know, you guys made like a toy version of this cage, which I actually liked. As an adult, right. I can see why it sucks. But you're clearly trying to, you know, mimic the WWF's big blue cage. But you've got space to sort of brawl around the outside. It's a little bit ahead of its time from a hell in a cell standpoint. But this doesn't, I mean, it, it's probably really easy for climbing. Well, of course it is. But it doesn't look like it's very painful. Um, th- no, and, and that takes away the danger of the cage. The absolutely. cage should be right up against the ring. I'm not arguing that at all. You know, right. I, I, I can appreciate that they tried something different, but in hindsight, it was a miss. And I do agree with Wade that it is sort of silly to have a manager inside the cage. Like the idea is to keep her out. Like what the fuck? Right. Um, knowing us, we probably, uh, didn't even think about that. No. And the cage closed and all of a sudden she was there and she said, well, where, where am I going to go now? Right. The real world's title there, of course, that's going to be on WWE TV in just uh, 
a year and change from here, but that's the, mm. uh, the NWA world title that I most remember, but I kind of, you grew up on the original dome globe version. I love this one though. It's a good one. Of course, Luger's going to get that belt, uh, eventually, but it's going to happen in August of 1997 against Hulk Hogan when it sets that record rating on nitro and man, what condition Luger is here. He looks so much younger, you know, than some of the other shows we've covered. But uh, he always looked phenomenal. I mean, he's he's probably at the time. I mean, he'd be one of the top five best physiques in wrestling for sure, right? No question. Uh, and not only that, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you mentioned this from uh, reading what you read in the torch that he was coming off the staff infections, and those things are those Serious. things can take a lot out of you, buddy. Yeah, that's why I thought it was a little weird that Keller would reference that way, saying he looked like he'd rather be doing anything than this, you know, delivering right. pizza. It's like, well, fuck, dude, he's he. You can die from a staff infection. So, exactly, you can. So it's no wonder he doesn't feel good, but he feels obligated because that's what you do in wrestling, right? Flair's boots there, um, I believe, are with a private collector in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, have you checked with that private collector about the big black robe? Yep. He doesn't know where it is either, but he does have the Starcade 83 robe. The one that's like baby blue with the big right. tape in the back. That's sort of silvery right. war against Carrie in Texas. Right. Uh, yeah. So he's uh, he's a big flare collector. He's got lots of cool stuff. It's, man, well, it's, we know. it's sad to see woman here. I, I know yeah, that it I is. feel that way, but it's like, and I love this idea of they're going to pat her down, but she shouldn't even be in the cage. No. Yeah, every time I see Nancy, I get sad. Every time I see Benoit, I get sad. Just get sad. It's a shitty deal, man. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into this match here a little bit. Uh, Luger was certainly a big star, and Ric Flair was the nature boy Ric Flair, and they were trying to figure out a way again to, uh, you know, not switch the title to Luger. Right, right which they should have done. And so they came up with pulling up the cage. And I just remember thinking again, this is just absolutely ridiculous the way we're doing this, but I guess it worked. And Ross saying only commandeered the cage, only commandeered the cage. I remember thinking if only commandeered the cage, why don't we have a shot of it? Okay. Why don't we even pre-tape a shot of only commandeering the cage? We pre-taped Gordon Soley back with Robocop. We could have done it. So anyway, that's my thought on that. Don't want to drag this down. And all of a sudden we were looking at Nancy and that kind of got us off our game here a little bit. But now you notice how Ric Flair, again, Ric Flair knows what's going on in the show. So he's kind of slowing down here at the beginning here, because I think he realized that they're, they're just coming off a pretty good match that they just saw. I guess we should mention here, um, Things are going to be changing uh, pretty quickly here uh, under Ole Anderson. I think we, we mentioned earlier that uh, JYD is going to be in the main event against Ric Flair at the June 13th clash. Wade Keller would write uh, when this was all revealed, racial tones were stressed as in Jim Cornette uh, using a quote insinuating that if Ric Flair was the first man to allow a black man to win a world title, he should feel like an idiot. Actually, the hyping for the Clash main event was about as intense as you could get, though it's difficult to endorse the racial theme of the hype. Flair said JYD will be the first black world champion over his dead body. 
Is this sick or is this just business? Desperate means for desperate times. One has to ask how a promotion owned by Ted Turner would allow this outright racism to occur. The NWA is waiting for the call from the NAACP, and I wonder what their defense will be. JYD is getting a bigger push than Sting or Lex Luger. And in a non-title lights out cage match in St. Louis last Friday on May 25th, which is six days after this show, JYD pinned Flair in a match getting mixed reviews where Flair worked harder than Santa on Christmas. The 3000 people in St. Louis popped for JYD who had been over in some places he has been, especially Louisiana and Flair juice there and in DC, which indicates that the blood ban was lifted at least temporarily. What do you make of, uh, the criticism of this becoming sort of a, a racial angle by talking about the first black world champion? Well, I think, uh, Wade Keller answered his own question when he said, I, w- I wonder what the answer would be if the NAACP calls Turner broadcasting, the answer would be JYD is getting a bigger push than sting and Luger. Did he just say that in his next sentence? And then just went over flair. That would, would be the answer to me. Uh, and then we're talking about 1990. Um, and I just, I just don't buy this. I don't, I don't buy this being a race, a racist angle because they're talking about becoming the first black world heavyweight champion. If JYD would have won it, wouldn't he he's held the belt up high and considered himself the first black heavyweight champion? Sure. So I, I don't get that. I don't get what what Keller's looking for here, what he's digging at, what he's trying to assume. I don't get that at all. Maybe I'm not as sensitive as he is, but I, I don't buy that at all. JYD got a big push. The world tag JYD got a big push. The world tag team champions were black men. How can you consider us racist? I, I don't get that. Well, I mean, I think you need to stop being so damn racist. That's just me. <laughs> Gee, I, well, we should also mention here that, uh, it's reported in the torch, Ted Turner and Ellie Gante were pictured on the WCW set in the May 18th edition of the, of the Detroit free press, which is the day before here. Um, <laughs> and if one <laughs> of the things in this same edition of the torch is that JYD was out to lose 40 pounds and get in shape. It yeah. seems sort of, uh, Sort of backwards thinking, right? Hey, we're going to put you in the main event for the world title, and then we need you to get in, get in shape. Right. Well, being in shape was never a prerequisite to being a world heavyweight champion. One of my favorite things is sort of the what if scenario. And, you know, we, t- we mentioned it a couple of times so far, but Luger has a staph infection here. And if he was not able to compete, the backup plan, do you want to guess who it was? Do you remember? I do not. Brian Pillman. Wow. How might things have been different for Brian Pillman if he got to main event a pay-per-view against Rick yeah. Blair in 1990? That would have been a big fucking deal for him. You know no, what? Yeah. Not only would it have been a big deal for him, but probably would end up being the best match on the card. Oh, for sure. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind it would have been a much different match. But, you know, then again, it's not, it's not necessarily Luger's fault that he doesn't right. feel up to it. I guess we should mention almost right after this, uh, we, we don't see, um, Teddy long managing mean Mark Callis anymore. Of course, he's going to be replaced by Paulie dangerously. And I think that's who most people sort of remember him 
with. Right. You know, uh, I was thinking about Lex Luger's staph infection. You know how wrestlers normally got staph infection. They would have a cut or an open wound. Right. Or, of course, they would have, have zipped themselves in their head, and then they would rub across a dirty mat, and then they'd get dirt and debris and bacteria down in their their open wound, and there's your staph infection. So if you're a Luger and you got a staph infection, you haven't felt well, and now you think, man, here I'm going to go back on a dirty mat. Well, I'm going to go be the last man that night wrestling again after all these guys have been in the ring. It's got to be disconcerting to him as well. So you can understand why uh, Luger was very concerned and, and not 100% going into this. Fans are really not into this either. You ever, you ever notice that? No, they're I mean, not into it at all, man. Yeah. They are, uh, I mean, some some fans are are cheering Luger on there. Some fans not. And now I guess Flair's going to start the blood here, right? Upside down? Whoa, I called that spot. How about that? Up top? Oh. It's almost like you've seen a Flair match before. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you can see it coming, you know? And you still and you still loved it. It didn't matter. You know, Bret Hart would be pretty critical of him for that, saying he was what his dad would call a routine man. And mm-hmm. I think that's a fair criticism of Rick. But I also know that, you know, Rick was uh was wrestling a lot in a time when you weren't on TV every week. So when you did exactly. go into the different territories, it was the first time they had seen it because he wasn't wrestling on TV every week. No, that's right. But he did wrestle, you know, many times in the Greensboro Coliseum and the Charlotte Coliseum, and they saw him a lot do the same thing over and over again. And nobody can. No, but nobody can it, it worked. Everybody loved it. So now are we uh, – chat me up on this one, Conrad. Are the rules here you got to escape from the cage? Or is Flair just trying to get out because he's chicken dick? You know, who knows what the rules are? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know, and I'm not so sure that they were even explained here. Because Flair's trying to get out. And but, oh, but, I don't but, think there's any question. Here's the thing with that, though. Saul, with Saul, the top, Saul. With the top on the way, at the top of the cage on the way it is, Yeah, it, it sort of leans in. It makes it a virtual impossibility to climb over, does it not? Yes, it does. Absolutely. It was like it's put there to keep people from escaping, and now Flair is a bleeding, and he's going to do one hell of a, or he's done one hell of a blade job here. <laughs> Man, wow. this is uh, that's an interesting time here. You know, and, and Luger took some heat back during this era, and I can understand why he didn't do a blade job here. But you know, they always thought that didn't Luger didn't, yeah, didn't didn't want to do blade jobs, didn't bleed that much. And took a lot of heat for that. I can understand him not want to cut himself if he just had staph infection here. But that's one of the things that Luger got some heat about with the boys back in this era. And Flair wasn't wasn't afraid to cut himself. He really cut himself open this night. Yeah, he was not scared of it at all. I mean, Tony, part of his makeup. Tony, it's a re- serious question, but I know it sounds silly. Do you ever, uh, do you ever do the deal? What do a blade job? Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> I don't I was never asked. I, I, no one ever said, uh, here, uh, 
uh, take this little uh, shard of a razor blade and cut yourself in the forehead and see how it feels. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I mean, I know it sounds silly, but here's what I'm pitching, I guess. It, okay. it feels like when you were hanging out with the horsemen all those times that somebody would have, when you're out drinking, just been <laughs> like, I dare you double, you know, that, those oh, typical yeah, right. bar hijinks. Yeah, I understand that. But when you're out of the bar drinking, you normally don't have a, a razor blade on you at the time, you well, see. Flair probably did. <laughs> it could have. Uh, uh, but no, I never did that. But you know, back in the Bill Watts era, there was talk at one time that Watts was going to have all the announcers go into the ring and have a couple of guys stretch us to see how it felt. There was that rumor that went around a couple of weeks. I am. It finally faded. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was one thing that maybe, I don't know, Bill Watts maybe had announcers do it throughout the years. But that was that was the that one day at center stage, we'd all get there early, and he'd say, okay, this is what an arm bar feels like. Or this is what a headlock feels like. Or we're going to hip toss you now. And now we're going to beal you across the ring. <laughs> what the fuck? But it never happened, thank God. But I would have I would have done that. I would have been willing to go in the ring. And let him let him stretch me. Really? Yeah. Workman's comp? Absolutely. I love you for that. Who would you who would you have let stretch you? Well, I know I wouldn't have let stretch me. One of the Steiners. Sure. I could take that right now. Uh I don't know if I I don't know if there was anybody I would have trusted to stretch me or to put me in the ring and put a hold on me. All right, Luger sells his knee here. And Jesus, we still got, what, 20 minutes to go on the show, 10 minutes to go on the show. Okay. But again, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we were kind of talking about this, and I said, we got two matches and we got an hour, or we got 50 minutes. Matches were too long back then. They really were. And I understand about telling the story, but, you know, house show matches were fine going this distance. Because you, you know, you went and you wanted to see a long night at the matches. Right. But for television shows, they, they never, to me, 20 minute matches never work for television shows. I always thought 15 minutes tops for a match on television, be it a clash or a pay per view or just a regular, I don't know, regular Saturday night two segment match or whatever. Just way too long, regardless of who was. In the main event, and we had the, one of the greatest performers, if not the greatest performer of all time, in the main event here in Ric Flair. This match could have been over a long time ago. Yeah, especially when you've got a guy out there with a fucking... I mean, that's just hard to imagine, too, when you think about it. He's out there with a staph infection. Yeah. And he's working this long, and we're not done. I mean, they're just nope. getting going. Yeah. But this is sort of the era when, when Flair... And maybe even bookers for Flair, like Oli or whoever. And Oli's been critical of Flair for times like this. Oli would say, you know, Flair thinks, you know, the only way to have a good match is to be out there 45 minutes. And that if you can work 45 minutes, then it's a great match. Not necessarily the story it tells or the heat it gets, but the longer equals better. And Oli sort of disagreed with that and thought it was maybe a crutch that the reason people sort of praised flares because he was willing and able to do the long matches as opposed to, you know, the big story. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but this is certainly the era where flair was working long matches. And that's what he knew. And I guess that's in, in hindsight, that's what we 
came to expect of him, but now I, I was never for it. So you weren't for the long matches? No, not at all. So I mean, I get when you're saying you're not for the long matches, but I think the reason Flair was trying to do it here is because he's trying to sort of effectively, I don't know, differentiate himself. Right. He wants to make his match mean because of the world title match. Compared to say Hogan, you know, Hogan's in and right. out in eight minutes. Right. And so if exactly. he's out here for 35 minutes, then he can, you know, sort of push the fact that we're the real world champion. Let me talk through this. It's a goddamn cage match, and we're concerned about rope breaks. <laughs> like, you know, he's getting a little extra leverage in the figure four, holding on to the top rope and having to let go as soon as the referee sees. I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a little bit like, wait, what the fuck do we care about rope breaks for if it's a cage match? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. This is one of the things that this entire cage, there was, there was a lot of things that were illogical in this cage match. Uh, and that, and those that you, that you just, I think you just, just pointed out. All right. What do we got here? Here comes Arn Ole. Those are the guys with the bald spots, as you know, and here comes Lurch. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty funny that, that, uh, Sid just, I don't know if he, they told Sid to stay back, right? Not do much, but he just doesn't do, not do much here at the end of the show. Well, he's hurting. He is? Yeah, he's hurt here. He got called off out of a softball game or something? Pissed off? Maybe. Okay. So, of course, here's Arn. Acting like he's going to scale the cage. He yeah, himself boy. coming off a back injury. Arn looks like he's in the best shape of his life right there, by the way. Yeah, he looks good. How about the uh, the ruse, like decals or stickers or patches on uh, Lex Luger's boots? <laughs> yeah, we really uh, focused on those, didn't we? Man, and that should have been it. What a clothesline pin? Yep, should have been it. Oh fuck you, clothesline pin! <laughs> what are you talking about? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing something different? I'm gonna tell you now. If Barrington Hughes clotheslines a motherfucker and wins <laughs> next week on MLW TV, I'm gonna be mad as shit at you because I'm gonna know you had something to do with that. Yeah, no, I'm not in the back. No, you know that, who is though? Yeah, and fuck him. Yeah. Hey, I guess we should remind everybody that you are calling wrestling on BN Sports every Friday night. So if you haven't, yeah. and look at Sting coming down here, putting the business to Ole Anderson, just ran right past Lurch, who's just watching and doing nothing. I know. He's like, what? I mean, he is like absolutely doing nothing. Literally nothing. Oh, you're nothing. fighting? Okay, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, my God. And here comes Flash Gordon. No, it's El Higante. <laughs> Who came up with this suit? <laughs> you know, you can watch the making of it on Facebook and uh, Twitter right now. That Connie Chung CBS segment showed him getting measured for this silliness. Oh, my God. Huh? Absolutely. And now this is where Ole is going to commandeer the cage, as JR would say. Although was, we don't see it happen. We just have we to. We don't see it happen. Ole's commandeer. The cage is coming up. And again, what do we do? We just completely shit on the idea of a cage match, right? Allowing Barry Wyndham to come in. Wade Keller's right. Wyndham should have been under the ring. Should have absolutely been under the ring here. And then, of course, we get a DQ. After all this fighting, we just throw it out. Really shitty finish. Really shitty finish. 
But the good news is, Conrad, the show's over, and what uh, Wade Keller uh, so correctly said, one of the best parts of it is going to happen now, and that's going to be the Flair interview at the end. Absolutely. Go out of your way to watch this later, because you're going to see Flair doing his best to save the pay-per-view, just going nuts in a bloody promo that people are going to be talking about for a long time. Can I tell you that I'm looking forward to next week? And why is that? Because you're glad this week's over? <laughs> no. Hey, we, we've had fun, though, haven't we? I mean, we've I mean, we've heaped another pile of shit on the Steiners. and Listen, uh, listen to you. Just, you know, you had me tell off, off uh, jokes I should never tell well, I didn't on the air. I didn't have you do that. You did that. Yeah, right. Blame me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun this week. So what, what you can't wait for next week. What's that? Slamboree 1993, the legends reunion. And the week after that, two weeks from now, we're going to be covering the May 26, 1996 edition of WCW Monday Nitro when Scott Hall makes his debut. So stay tuned boys and girls, May 21st, Slamboree 93, May 28th, the May 26, 96 Nitro where Scott Hall invades for the very first time. Macon, Georgia, and it was on a Memorial Day Monday. I remember it very, very well. And see, they say Shivani doesn't remember shit. So he commandeered the cage. Ric Flair retains the world title. And Flair is going to go berserk here, as only Ric Flair can go. And speaking of uh, El Gigante... Is he not not a not on the log right here? I don't know what he was expected to do. In I, I mean, yeah, exactly. Just as green as he could be. Only thing he did, I don't know if you saw it in the wide shot, but he turned around and he shook his finger at Flair. And, and here's <laughs> here's Flair covered in blood yeah. with the NWA yeah. world title. Watch, he'll, he'll wipe his head. He'll wipe his hand, his head with his hand. Grab me the lapel and wipe it on me. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> right on my arm. Yep. Yeah. Flair is fired up here. Yes, he is, buddy. Absolutely. This is uh this is a good this is a, this is a great way to end a shitty show. Look at this. You know, when Flair was feeling it, there was nobody who was feeling it like he was. And no. man, he is in the zone right here. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You need to go back and watch this thing. Right at the very end. And I know you're listening to, and we appreciate you listening to our voice over here now. But, but you got to do back, this. You got to do this. And then there's Sting gets involved, and uh, they don't know what to do. And they try to pull him off. And there's, look at Eligante and say, what, what, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, I'm just going to stand around and look dumb. Uh, uh, Eligante was a pretty good athlete, but he was just way over his head in pro wrestling. Man, what a finish to this show, though. What a spirited promo from Ric Flair. And, of course, it sets up the next pay-per-view that they're going for, Great American Bash 1990, where we're going to see Sting finally become the world champion. Of course, those plans delayed after his uh, ACL tear. And the credits roll here. Of course, uh, lots of names we recognize. Jim Ross, Keith Mitchell, Craig Leathers. Uh, of course we saw at the very top, your boy, Jim Hurd. 
lots of names here that uh, ring a bell and hopefully you'll recognize some names next week when we cover slamboree 1993 legends reunion tony i can't help but think when i look at my clock it's about that time and it's time for tonight's six-man tag team main event here on One Heaven Win Monday. Coming to the ring, Jay-Z, Conrad Thompson, and Cassio Kid, along with their valet, Big Booty Judy. And on the other end, the Steiner Brothers, resting out of Ackworth, Georgia, and their partner, Gary Gribble, head or the band director, head band director at Pope High School. The winner of the match is going to get Ric Flair's black and white and silver sequin robe and the six-man tag team championship belt. Who will win? Wait a minute. The Steiners and Gary Gribble have brought in their own valet to go up against Big Booty Judy. It's Lois Shivani, and she's been on DDP Yoga for three months. Take a look at this woman. My God, we're out of time. Oh, this is the old commentary ninja reminding you that promotional consideration paid for by the following. 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. The new podcast. Will someone get Eric a decent microphone, please? I mean, damn. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard, the number one podcast in all of wrestling and in all of sports. And selling out to the evil empire. By LoisRules.com. Get your t-shirts now and keep this woman off my back. And by the Charity Cornhole Tournament in Douglas County, Georgia. Proof that rednecks will fight about anything. And by StarCast, the pro wrestling podcast convention and official convention partner for All In. Coming to the Hyatt Regency Chicago beginning Thursday, August 30th. Tickets go on sale May 15th. For more information, go to StarCast.com. That's star with two R's, cast.com. There are two fellers standing on the bridge or going to the bathroom. Mmm. One feller said the water cold. Mm, the other feller said mm, the water deep. I believe one of them fellers was Tony Schiavone. Get it? Mm-hmm. Get it? I like Jesse Dixon better than Tony Schiavone. Mm-hmm.